Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mama We Made It podcast. We got your two favorite uncles in the building, Uncle Nushi. Uncle Roushi. And we got an incredibly special guest, Homie Diaz. Welcome to the What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Damn, that was incredible, man. I love you, bro. More more amazing in person than it is listening to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You can yell that loud in here. I love it. I'm so happy to have you here with us, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This is, I'm, I'm just going to preface it this way. This is one of those special vibes where, literally, I'm going to tell, tell everybody how we met. So we were over at an event, that, uh, a John Geiger event for what, Forgiato? Mm. Our brother John Colombo did the marketing for the event, had me Shout come out. out. What Shout up? Shout out to John. Ali St. Q was there. Ali, everybody, yeah. the, the family was in the building. <laughs> And Ali was doing his rounds, like introducing people, just like, yo, boom, 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 noose, you know, you know, homie, you know this. And I'm literally looking up to homie, like, yo, I do know you. Like, what's good, family? Like, it's an absolute pleasure. It's an honor. And he's like, mama! <laughs> I tripped the fuck out. I yes. literally walked away from him. I was like, I can't, I can't do this shit. Like, this can't be real. Like, you, I can't do this. You, I cannot do this. You know? You know about the, he's like, bro, I love y'all's podcast. Oh, with y'all. my God. It, it's moments like those, I'm going to tell you straight up, it's moments like those that really just like solidify and, and, and give you the utmost gratitude towards what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you have legends in the culture, and I say that proudly mm. and loudly, wow. mm. legends in the culture saying that. It's just like, whoa, like y'all listening. <laughs> and it's an absolute gorgeous feeling, and it's an incredible honor to have you on. Yeah, wow. And I'm so ready to dip and dive Ooh. and just call our mamas mid podcast. Yep. Like, what it do? <laughs> what it me- meanwhile, I'm over here thinking when I do the mama, he looked at me like, nah, that's not how you do it, man. Let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> mama. He called well, me. I, I, I called him today. He's over there like, mama. <laughs> Didn't even let him say hi. I, like, I love just, it. Just got him. Facts. It was fucking gorgeous. Homie Diaz, my brother, you are such an incredible force in this culture, creatively, personality-wise, and I cannot wait for us to really dip and dabble through your journey as a human being on this quest. You know, a lot of cats will look at you and the accolades that you've had and just the companies that you've worked for and just the things that you've done within and for the culture and be like, damn, how the fuck does he get there? Like, what? But at the end of the day... One of the most important things that I think that on this road we all tend to forget along the way is that the one true through line of all of us is that we're all human beings. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Like we start to like look at ourselves as our jobs and look at ourselves as our positioning and who yep. we know. But that's all, that's all meaningless when it really comes down to the fact that we're human beings going through this road just trying to push ourselves and the culture forward. Yeah. Um, where did it all start for you, family? Where did you come <laughs> how, swinging out how, how the womb? How far do you want just, me to go back? I want you to go oh. back when you came out the womb. Whoa. 
Uh, let's see, man. My mom and my dad were born in Dominican Republic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's crazy because my dad is six years older than my mom, mm. but they literally grew up in the same neighborhood. Really? And wow. my mom is the opposite. She's the second to youngest. So my dad's the technically the oldest mm. other than his stepbrother. And then my mom is second to youngest. Got it. So my, my dad actually grew up hanging out with her older brothers. Oh wow! In the in the wow. hood in Dominican Republic, wow. Los Minas. Shout out to Los Minas. Los anyway, Minas. so they 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 literally grew up. They they grew up together, but she was a little girl, like a little baby. Mm. You know, he's a little preteen, like hanging out with her brothers. Fast forward, <clears throat> they you know they parted. You know, they the families went separate ways. They moved. My mom came to the U.S. to New York around like fifteen, sixteen. My dad mm. ended up uh, about twenty. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. It's interesting because then my dad hooked up with one of her brothers in New York mm-hmm. and became his roommate. Obviously, his fam. Like, sure. yo, I know you. You know, let's hook up. Yo, I'll be your roommate. Boom. So that's how my dad got reconnected with the little girl that was my mom. Wow. As an wow. as like an as adult. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So my parents got together. Man, well, they, my mom was probably like nineteen, and he was like twenty five or something like that. And then they had me at twenty. She was twenty one oh, when wow. she had me. Yeah. So it's crazy. So. You know, born in Queens, raised nice. in Queens, you know what I mean? And then that was the lifestyle, man, Queens. What part of Queens? Flushing. Flushing. Walking distance from Shea Stadium, not City Field. <laughs> <laughs> Let them know. Let them know. know. You know, Let them know. So, yeah, parents are still there, you know, living in Queens. And, wow. You know, it was, it was, it was a, an interesting, yeah, interesting. What was, what was that like growing up in Queens? So the block was hot. That's all really? I got to say. The block was really hot. So I grew up around, you know, the street savviness, you know, it was just outside my window. So luckily my parents were very honest. Uh, I mean, my uncles weren't, but my dad, to this day, I can only say he was honest because he's the only one that didn't do time. Mm. So maybe he did something right or maybe he just did something right. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I feel you. You know what I mean? So basically, you know, the streets taught me everything I had to know, at least, you know, at least to witness it and be like, yeah, I'm not going to take that step. You know were your I mean? parents like... Enforcing control over you, or did they kind of give you the freedom to be a young kid, like going out and dipping and dabbling in the street? A little bit of both. I mean, they were definitely strict. They were your typical Dominican parents, you know, cracking the whip at every second, mm. you know, and they were always watching over me, not letting me go out as much when I was, you know, before I was 10. Mm. And then after I became 10, I really broke loose. I was skateboarding and going into the city from Queens into Manhattan. You can imagine at 11, 12 years old, that's quite a big step. Yeah. Mm. I had a young, younger brother and a younger sister, my brother being in the middle. So he was like my shadow. So I had to be responsible. So that taught me how to be, you know, kind of like a parent. Sure. I had yeah. to be responsible for it. So it happened to him. That's my ass. So basically skateboarding gave me that outlet of not getting stuck in the street, mm. you know, the corner hotness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I just skateboarding really gave me an outlet to like be creative. And at least my parents can trust me doing that. Then like, all right, he's not doing, you know, the the cliche on the corner stuff, stuff yeah. you know what I mean? So that kind of helped, you know? But before you got really into skating, talk about kind of just what kind of kid were you? And because I can imagine growing up in, in that environment, actually I can't imagine to be honest, but of those first 10 years as a kid growing up, like you have your family and you were so unaware as children really mm-hmm. of like what's right or wrong, what's good, what's bad. It's like, this is the neighborhood, this is my mm-hmm. environment. And with it's often just like the lack of exposure of anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You can't, you, you don't really have that context of like my block is hot. 
you know, you as a kid, you're yeah. just like, oh yeah, that's like that's my my friend there, and that's his parents over there. Yeah. And, uh, I'm at the park playing. What was that that like growing up just as a kid in that environment? Well, first off, I mean, in terms of the perspective I got from different cultures, I would spend the summers in the Dominican Republic, so oh, I saw awesome. poverty like oh, to wow. an extreme. You know what I mean? Crazy. So, so we were poor. You know, I grew up in a one wow. bedroom apartment, so it was mom, dad. Bro and sis in a one bedroom. It was like good night, good night, good night. Like oh, shoulder man. to shoulder. You know what I mean for the first eighteen years of my life. So wow, really? but that to me was like wealth and and like a, a roof over your, over my head, and it was love and protection because living in Dominican Republic, when I would go there, you know, like some people didn't have roofs. Literally, they sure. just had tin sheets and like straw and stuff like that. And yeah, and you know, so. You know, we would shower in the alleyways and we would shower with the rain coming down. Like, so I saw it humbled me, you know what I'm saying? Like at an early wow. age. So when I would come back to New York, you know, I would say, man, it could be worse. Wow. Know, things could be worse. And to then learn that to, as a to, young kid like that. Yeah, yeah. And then to like get back to your question, like, yeah, you know, at first the block is hot and that's the norm. But when, when you witness murders and you, you witness like people really? getting really hurt, oh, wow. you're like, yo, this is crazy. Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta step outside really taking a clear look with left and right before I make any moves when so I'm out here. it was really like that. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really hot. So uh, I would say that that taught me a lot of right versus wrong. Sure. You know, from, from a distance up close in DR to like, you know, my parents, you know, Smacking me over the head when I was out of place, you know. <laughs> so it, it it was it was uh it was quite a learning curve and it was quite a a test of uh, upbringing, mm. you know. Like, be careful what you do when you're out there, you know. Absolutely. How was how was like your relationship and dynamic with your parents? Aside from them being, they sound like just incredibly strong parents who obviously like are pursuing an amazing opportunity to be in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And but what was your dynamic like? One as a as, as an only child for a little bit of that part, being the oldest, um, in your relationship, kind of with your parents in that type of intense environment, especially for a kid. I mean, that's not lightly, you know, and that's why I wanted you to talk about that, just mm -hmm. to to give some context to what did this really mean as a kid, and mm -hmm. how you were influenced by your parents at that time. Yeah, I, I would say that growing up being the the first child it was interesting at the very beginning and challenging because they didn't speak english mm -hmm. so my my first language was technically spanish that's what i learned with them you know i didn't i didn't learn english until like until i really got a grasp of like saturday morning cartoons you know like that's when i really started to like listen to the english language and be like oh wow that's not what they're talking you know, that's not what they're <laughs> yeah. saying you know, so i started putting an ear to the cartoons and then you know because my parents weren't from the U.S., you know, it was, it was hard to relate to them when I started really getting immersed into, like, the American culture. Mm. So there was this clash of cultures that, I, as a young kid, I was just really caught in between that was really difficult to, like, navigate. But through time, obviously, as you got older, it became the norm, and you, you, you learned how to juggle it. Sure. Then when my brother was born, then it was like, you know, it, at that point, it's like you're now hanging out with kids outside, and, like, everyone's just the cultures are mixing because it was a melting pot. Like every race was in my building. It was just crazy. So that became the norm, just the juggling of cultures, you know what I mean? But at first it was challenging because I'm over here trying to like, you know, read the TV guide and like, <laughs> and my mom's, and I'm like telling my mom, like, what is this saying? She's like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, I don't know what it really means. And I'm like, well, you know, I want to watch these movies or whatever. And like, we just can't communicate because everything's in English. And like, oh, so it was man. always like this weird vibe of like, 
you know, should I be going this way or that way with, with my interests? So, but as, as a young kid, like I just, I found a love for creativity and art mm. from the very, very beginning. Like I would like literally like, um, take a pen at like five years old or six years old. And I would literally copy the letters in a, in, in, in a TV guide to try to and, and see, did I spell something? Hey mom, did, can you read this? And she'll be like, uh, spacing is crazy, but uh, <laughs> you got some words in there, you know? So like, I just, I picked up a pen and I just started, you know, scratching around at an early age. Interesting. And then just like copying comic books and stuff. So I, right away I developed this knack for like art and creativity. So, wow. That's, That's incredible. Yeah. What was the city like for you as a kid? Like I always think about people growing up in like New York and especially like the children in the city, like the energy in New York is crazy, right? Always on the go, different boroughs and just different like culture, all really like aligned within one another and also separate. Looking back at it, just like from your kid's lens, like what is it like for a child coming up and growing up in the city? Well, I mean, it's an abundance of culture, man. It's it's mm-hmm. so much at your fingertips, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of like seeing it, smelling it, hearing it. Mm-hmm. And that was actually uh, to me, that's a blessing because that opened my mind, you know, that that For sure. that, um, you know, opened me up to diversity at an early age. And because at first my parents were very protective or well, they were always protective, but mm-hmm. they would um, we had we have a big family, a really, really large family. So we covered all the boroughs. So I would spend the week every weekend in a different borough at a different relative's wow. house. So, you know, I, I got a real good sense of what Brooklyn was like, the Bronx, uptown Manhattan, Yonkers. Wow. And then Queens. So we were all and then Jersey, too. So, you know, for me, the city was like amazing because like. There was so much going on in every neighborhood, like, mm-hmm. you know, like the block parties and like summertime would roll around if I wasn't in DR or, or part of the summer that I wasn't in DR, like people would just be outside, crank the, 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 the fire hydrant open. It's like a, you know, it's like a water <laughs> work show. <laughs> and literally like, like what you see in the movie. That's like, real. You know, like, yeah. And that was though. it, you know, yeah. and then sometimes like, you know, a lot of, a lot of blocks would just shut down and, you know, close off the streets and have a block party. Awesome. DJs would come out and, you know, like, you know, so it was always eventful. You know, living in New York, it was like always like something going on. It wasn't, I got used to the noise, like, Mm. you know, like, whereas when I would go somewhere and it's quiet, I would feel uncomfortable. Mm. I'm like, it's too quiet. Like, this is weird for me right now. You know, I I thrive off the energy that's around me. And if there's no human energy in front of me, I I feel like this is like a waste of time. You know, Mm. I got to get back to the city or, you know, so that's that to this day, like when I'm here in LA and if it's too quiet, I'm like. I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that's an interesting perspective to say it like that because we all know the pulse of New York. Like yeah. it's it's madness. It can be totally overwhelming. Like New York's the place where if you're coming from LA, you're going to New York. Like it's the fucking uh, most amazing place. And three days later, you're like, I want to be back in LA. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just I literally just got back from New York. Uh, uh, technically Monday morning, took a red eye out of Sunday, and it's crazy because I was I was standing at my mom's, and um. She's like, do you want to shut the window down? Like, cause there's like a truck outside doing some maintenance on some shit. And I'm like, why? Why? I'm like, oh, you're not going to be able to sleep. I was like, of course. I'll be the first one to knock out. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just used to the sirens. I'm yeah, used to like yes. all this stuff, even though I've been living, I've been in Cali for 10 years now. Uh, it's like, yeah, it is what it is. Part. It's like, it's just ingrained. It's just a part of me. You could take the, 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 the saying goes, you could take the, the cat out of the jungle, but you can't take the jungle out of the cat. You right. know what I mean? And that's just the way it is. Like I go there and I'm like, yeah, this is, yeah. I, that's I, what, I don't that, forget. I that's don't what forget. home feels like. Yeah, I don't forget what it's like. People be like, oh, you've been away for a minute. I'm like, 
don't matter. Mm. You know, that's crazy. Going back to uh, your creativity, and as you kind of started to develop as a kid, um, and and just going through that kind of elementary, you know, uh, stage, and and growing up just as a young kid, was creativity and drawing? Did that begin to evolve with you, or was it something that just kind of was always on the side, or did it become a a, a bigger part of kind of like who you became? Definitely became a bigger part of what I've become because. So I mentioned earlier that I was I started skateboarding. Yeah, yeah. And and what really turned me on to skateboarding was a combination of two things. One, I was in the Dominican Republic, someone had a banana board and I was like 7 or whatever and I jumped on it and it was fast like, it, you know, like the wheels of bearings were really mm. fast. I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa I'm going to bust my ass." So <laughs> I was like, "Let me let me sit down on this thing. Let me go. Let me let me get on my knees on it." Yeah. And I started doing that and I started getting down the block and it it went really fast mm. and then um I, f- I kind of fell off of it a little bit and my knee skid the ground. Mm. So like I got hurt, but I was at the same time I felt defeated. I'm like, I'm not going to let this thing defeat me. I wanted to get back on it. But my cousin who's, who's the owner was like, no, 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 no. You're going to kill yourself. Yeah. So I came back to New York thinking like, I want a skateboard. Wow. But that didn't happen for like another year or two after that. But what really got me back into wanting to skate was the graphics on the boards, oh. the art of it. That's what really pulled yes. me in. Like that's what like, Oh my God, that's when like, you know, that, that was a banana board. It was like a little plastic board. It had yeah. no graphics on it, you know. But when I saw like boards, yeah. I was like, my mind exploded. I was like, yo, I want that because of the graphic. Yeah. You know? And then it's crazy because my dad. Um, that's just, crazy. Yeah, by yeah, yeah. Like, bro. I mean, just to touch on this, I, I skateboarded a lot too. Yeah. Um, I never thought about, I mean, because the graphics are such an important part. And then you get sucked into the brand. You're like very loyal to it. But the graphics are wild. And I would never think like that's the reason you get it. It was always kind of a product of skateboarding. But for that to be the catalyst of getting into it is fucking awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah, that's what lured me back into it. In all honesty, it's like I kind of forgot about it for a minute. And then. It was the graphics, man, that pulled me in. And then my dad, he just retired. Congratulations to him. Shout uh, out to Pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he worked as a maintenance man in a building down the street from us. So I would have to deliver his dinner because he worked from uh, noon to 8.30 mm. just down the street. So I would literally, as a young kid, maybe from the age of like 10 or 9, I would have to walk down the street and deliver his dinner. So one day I walked into his room, his, his porter room his break room. And, um, I remember seeing this dude every so, every so often when I would deliver the, the, his dinner, this dude would come skating by like an older dude, you know? And I was like amazed, you know what I'm saying? I was like, Holy shit, this dude. <laughs> and then I would see other dudes on their boards every so often. They were rare. They weren't a lot of skaters. They were just like, it was like when you heard a skateboard, it was like, you just saw a unicorn. It was very rare. It was like, <laughs> you would stop. You would be like, Oh my God, a skateboard. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, it was crazy rare. So, Especially in Queens. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's actually like in New York. Yeah. I mean, the, the skate scene was big, but not, not in Queens. No, nah, not at yeah. all. So it was like, again, as a little kid, you're like, you're just shocked and paralyzed when you see a skateboarder coming by because it was probably once every other three months, you know, if you saw, Crazy. if you happen to see one. So there was a guy that lived in his building that I would see once in a blue moon, jumping out the building, taking off. I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> It's the, the guy. U- the unicorn. It's that guy. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I would never get to see his face. I just saw his <laughs> with a hat on and just poof, taken off. <laughs> like a superhero. Superhero and, for real. Yeah, and then one day I saw the graphics of the board as I was entering the building. All I, I was little, so 
you know, eye level was the, just slightly above the board. And I saw the graphics and boom, hit the ground, took off. And I'm like, oh. I don't know how many months later, I come and deliver my dad's food, his dinner. I'm in there. And sometimes I would stay and watch him eat and talk. And then I would just take the stuff back, the plates and everything in the bag. And all of a sudden, I see under a couch in his, in his break room, I see the board. Stop. That board. That guy's board underneath the sofa in his, in his break room. And I was like, what's going on with that? What is, what, why is that here? He goes, oh, he threw it out. He threw what? it out? He goes, yeah, you want it? Yo, bro. Stop. That was like, Stop. That was like the biggest moment <laughs> of my life right there. Mama! <laughs> Yo, for real. I was like, oh my God. Like, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening right now. This is like wow. the thing I've been eyeing for like a year now. Wow. The dude gave it up. Probably got a new board. So my dad's like, yeah, you can have it. Yo, bro, I was like, I was like, all right, peace, I'm out. I grabbed the board, I left the place behind. Wow. You know, because it was whatever. He'll take it home with him. And I got on that board and that shit took off. The bearings were like crazy. Yeah. On some spinning shit. Like it wasn't on some like stationary store skateboard, the fake joints that like you take two pedals and you move a half a foot. Right. And I was like, oh shit. I was like almost busting my ass. I'm like, this is the real deal. Like I got the real shit. Because prior to that, like, you know, I had one skateboard and it was like some cheap thing that my dad and my mom bought at a stationary store that like the shit barely went anywhere. Yeah, it was like right. super cheap. You know, like super cheap. Like you could, you know, it was cardboard. Like it would fall apart on its own. So I had that somewhere in between and I, I was so so disappointed like the first day i got that cheap board like sure. i went outside like and i was like this just is move terrible like three feet. i was like so i just gave three it feet, up i was like it's a done. pebble falls off <laughs> yeah i was like i'm done so that 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 just like ruined everything the dream of skateboarding for me until that dude i kept seeing that dude so yeah man so i got that board man and it was a paul peralta lance mountain oh wow it was a lance man. mountain board i covered it that board bro like it was used up and I, I probably skated that board for like a good like nine months to a year wow. until like my dad really saw that I was into it, and then my brother—he saw that my brother was into it. Shout out to the yo to the fans real. right here. That's, yeah. that's like getting hyped on the board story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he saw that my brother and I were into it. So the, a, a local skate shop had opened up uh, in, in our neighborhood. So we went there, and my my dad dropped some dollars, and we bought a board. We bought two completes. So I, I saw a board getting put together for the first time. So it was what like, kind of board was it? Uh, my remember? dad, my brother had got a Mark Gonzalez and I had got a Tony Hawk. Mm. I still remember it was a Tony Hawk with this weird like fish kind of like hooks. Like it was this weird. I don't know. To this day, I don't know what the hell it was. <laughs> Watching them putting on, on the grip tape. Yeah. Like Carver. that blew my mind. Like that was the first time Carver I had seen the that design. like being made. And I was just like, yo, this is crazy. So he put my board together and then I put, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll put my brother's board together. So I went home, got the tools and my dad always had tools. So that was like easy, you know? So I put the board together. We went to Flushing Middle Park to skate. Yo, life was good. It was amazing. Tracker trucks, independence for me. Like, yo, dude, it was like, I was on another level, man. I was on a cloud nine at that point. Yeah. I was like brand new, first brand new professional. Yeah. Board, you know? And you were you were just as passionate of the graphics as you were actually riding skateboards. Yeah. Like so getting back on because you had you your little your little accident in DR. Yeah. But being on the board and turning and, and, and really actually um riding and falling in love with the art of skateboarding and that also spoke to you too. Absolutely. So basically at that point, you know, I was so like I was just so into it that like I, I wanted to become a skater and there was like two skaters on my block, technically three. 
and uh, they were older, so they never they didn't skate on the block. You would just see them coming home and skating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, when they finally saw I had a real board, they're like, "Oh, okay, I kind of got it. I got I got brought into the clique, you know, yeah. for like the five minutes they can give me <laughs> you know, so while, <laughs> while they, they were back in the hood, you know, on the block." And then, um, so I, I saw them doing tricks, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I'm just like, you know, I saw them doing some stuff, and that that then just set a whole new like motivation for me. Like I got to do these tricks. Mm. And then, you know, I went back to that skate shop. I bought some skate videos. I would probably watch it like five times in a row. Then I'd go out and skate. And next thing you know, I was, I was better than them. Like I was like, they were already older and they were like, kind of like, they were just like, you know, heavy metal Metallica. And it was just about the look and the vibe. Mm. You know, I was like watching videos of skaters from Cali, like really studying the, the, the tricks, you know? So it was to the point that they were like months later, they're like, holy shit, like, yo, this kid can skate. Like, yeah. this is crazy. So I got really, I got really accepted into the clique. Mm. And then like eventually like two of them moved away. The one dude was the oldest dude kind of like just stopped skating. And then I became the, the skater on the block. Like that, I was the guy. I was, the, that's the skate that's kid. That's crazy, He's dude. the skate kid. And the whole block knew me as the skate kid. And again, going back to that, that kept me from becoming a part of any one clique within the neighborhood so no one can say oh he's a part of that clique he's a part of that clique they'll be like he not uh he's just a skater like, you know what i'm saying because wow. everyone was in gangs or like in cliques and like oh he's from ash or he's from colden or he's from you know what i'm saying and like they would rival each other every so often because mm. of the drugs or whatever and they would always find some beef but with me they were like yo uh when they would try to beef with me they'll be like well, I kind of saw him hanging out with both of them, so we don't know where he lies. Did so they I give got you like? Did they give you the pass? Yeah, so I got like it was kind of interesting. I got the pass because I would go to the projects, like I would go to different boroughs, and they could never pinpoint me. Oh, he's of this. He's from there. Mm. You know, he's from this clique, you know. So that kind of helped me from getting my ass rocked a couple times. That's such a unique position because what were your friends doing at the time? I mean, look, as kids, we're so susceptible of just not even thinking about ourselves. We just do what our friends do. We For just sure. like you join. Here's your friends. You grow up with them, whatever they do, even if you're not totally into it, you're just a kid. That's, these are the friends you hang out with. So to be this one skater among this, really this, this community of, of people that are, don't even have the, the skate culture surrounded. What, where'd you fit in? Like just among your friends, so yeah, with my friends, I mean, I was kind of like at first like kind of an outcast because they just didn't get it. Skateboarding wasn't the thing. Mm. They were far from it. They, they were like, oh, we don't get this stuff, you know. Like my, my style was eclectic, you know, where I was listening to Metallica and hip-hop and Spanish music. So I was all over the place. Oh, wow. So they couldn't really figure me out at first. And then it wasn't, through, it wasn't until some time later that skateboarding started to become popular. And then they, they really saw me progress and become an, an incredible skateboarder. So they were like, yo, this is dope. So then next thing you know... I wasn't the only skateboarder on the block anymore. Mm. There was like seven of us now, you know, because they were following my lead because they were like, yo, this yeah. is dope. This is cool. And the reality is, is that because of skateboarding, going back to the, 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 the fact that I started venturing out and going to the city, mm-hmm. I was then now hanging out with people from different areas. Mm. And my, my clique became very diverse. You know, my, my, my group of friends that I'd probably spend the most time with mm. in the city we're from the BX, we're from Jersey, we're from Philly, from Connecticut. They were from all over. So that was like my first taste of like networking. Oh, wow. So now like that allowed my name to branch out of 
Queens. Awesome. You know, I became the Queens dude. Like I was like the Queens head representative for skateboarding culture. I feel that. It just happened that like it wasn't. Yeah. Like, it was never said. It was never said that way. Head but it was like from Queens. You know, it was like I was I was I was holding Queens down when we we're in the city. Like oh, that's the dude from Queens. Did you kind of realize like being really good at something allows people to gravitate towards you? Was that kind of in the frame of mind of like, look, like I'm really dope, and being really dope brings this. Yeah, I mean, interesting enough, like because I was, you know, by the time I was twelve, I was, I was, I was a pretty good skateboarder. Like I had like hundreds of tricks. Like it was like, you know, I was banging tricks out, and they were like, then I was meeting new skaters that were just either starting or struggling with a trick, and I'd be the first one to show them, like, yo, here, here, let me, let me, let me show you how to do this. You know, whereas there was some skaters that would be like, nah, I'm not going to show you how to yeah. do these tricks. Learn I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the one to, yeah. to know. I'm going to be known for that tray flip. I'm going to be known for that kick flip or the mm. heel flip. I was the first one to be like, oh, no, no, come here, come here. Like side by side. Let me show you. And I just I never felt that need to like keep it to myself. I was always like, you know, you know, sharing and being like, yo, let me I, I can show you how to make that better. Or or hey, look, when you lean back a little bit here and like people just started gravitating. We're like, yo, homie will show you. And then it just started pointing people my way. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. And it just like, the next thing you know, like my my 15 block radius, we ended up being like 20 strong skateboarders. Wow. You know what I'm saying? It just, you know, and, and of the 20, you know, five of us were core. Like we were in it. The other ones were like, take a hiatus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You could tell by their board. Their board was still nice and clean. You know, like we'd be on our fifth board in a month. They're you know? over there like taking the board and just doing the artificial <laughs> scratches. Like, you know, yeah. So we were like a good like five strong within like the, you know, 15 block radius that we were like a click. And yeah. then, you know, shout out to my moms, you know, she's like an ill cook. So my house was like the meeting grounds. Like I everybody would come that. to my crib. Like legendary skaters have come to my crib because when they come to Queens, I'm going to homie's house because there's food, <laughs> there's there's skateboarding videos, and he'll he'll be quick to show a new trick off and like teach us it, you know. Oh, so wow. next, so next, so like my crib was always re- like the door was always revolving with people coming through. Even on school nights when my parents wouldn't let me skate because they were strict. They're like, nah, you can't skate on school night. You know, you got to stay home. You know, people will come to the crib and they'd be begging my parents, come on, let them come out and skate. Let them come out and skate, please. And they would give in. Like, all right, for an hour, like I'd come I out and skate in front it. of my building. Wow. So like, yeah, like it'd be like 10 skaters in front of my building. Like, you know, the block, the corner's hot, you know, with the with the little entrepreneurship. And then, you know. <laughs> the hood entrepreneurship. The hood entrepreneurship. And then like my building is just fucking hotter because it's like. You know, mad banging going on in front of my building. Yeah, I love yeah. ultimate camaraderie, though. Yeah, and that, I mean that's such a beautiful thing about skateboarding is like, and we we've talked about this too with with some other guests that um, really were were uprooted in the skateboarding culture, and it's it it really is a culture. It's a community. It's an art. It's a sport. It's and it, it the fact that it's so like individual too. And can be such a community thing as well, makes it one of the most unique things ever. It's absolutely, just, um, you know, just looking from the outside in, what it really does, even for your identity. Yeah, you know, yeah. was it so tied into skateboarding, or was it was there another part of you that was also blossoming in some other ways? 
looking back, like I said, there was another part of me blossoming, but at the time it was, I was, it was all about Full skateboarding. Name. Like, you know, I took my board with me everywhere, fam- family reunions, on vacation, like anywhere and everywhere I was going, I had to have my board with me. I would be mm-hmm. incomplete. It's like, it's like today, like a cell phone. If you, if you, if you forget your cell phone you at home, you're you naked, you're like, you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Your anxiety kicks mm-hmm. in within five minutes of not being with your phone. That's how it was with my board. Uh, but, but again, what was blossoming was the art, mm. you know, the curiosity, like, man, how do they, how do they get the graphics to be so crisp? How do they, like, what do they use? Like, how, you know, there was no internet. I couldn't look up how boards are made. Like, so it was always a curiosity that I couldn't look up how trucks were made. So it was always a curiosity of how the product was designed, conceptualized, designed and produced. Mm. So with everything, toys, video games, I always had this curiosity. Anything that had to do with graphics or just beautiful product, I was always curious. I was like, man, how was this made? Whereas mm. I would try to like scope something out of clay and it'd be far from like anything <laughs> like it. I'm like, what do they do? Like, is someone doing this by hand? And like, what, what are they doing? Like, is someone like, does someone draw these graphics and they kind of make some sort of transfer paper like what how you know so anyway so i was always curious about that stuff and that just fed my hunger to be more and more creative to someday crack the code someday get closer to inside look on how this is made yeah like i would take my gi joe's apart i would take things apart just to see the internal workings of it to figure Mm -hmm. it out you know Anything I could take apart, I would I would do it once at least. If it depending on what it was, if it was really expensive and my parents would kill me, but uh, like a video camera or something. But like yeah. I would literally take the VCR apart. Mm-hmm. I would take the remote control apart just to look at the insides and just be, you know, totally like blown away and like confused. I was like, you know, how's this done? So that was blossoming that curiosity mm-hmm. of of product and and creation, and you know, the rest is history. But oh well. We'll get there. Yeah, oh, we'll yeah, get yeah. there. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> I want to talk to you culturally, right? Like as you're you're coming up as a youth, your skating chops are, are, are really developing. You're building your core community. Um, you're able to really like navigate the city and, and go beyond, you know, the bounds of just walking or taking a bus or going somewhere. You're really getting to not only see the city, but feel the city's heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like at that time you know, skateboarding, culture, fashion, music, all of these things are just intersecting. Like, and skateboarding, to be honest, is I feel like is one of those tried and true sports where it really is the the driver of culture and community, right? What, how was that really feeding into your interests? How was that feeding into just your development of the love of like music and just fashion and just these different types of things that really form us as individuals within the community? Mm-hmm. What was that really doing for you? Because I feel like even in New York too, being able to touch the city is different than just walking through it, right? And then being a skater, like you have your regions and you have your cliques of people within the regions. I feel like it's like you're traveling into different like cities and like meeting up with, 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 with the homies that run the block over here. How was that for you in terms of just developing you as an individual at that time? Well, I got to say, man, with skateboarding, it really opened up my mind to music and diversity. So, again, going back to those skateboarding videos, yeah. I would buy every video that came out. I would go to the skate shop. The second that video dropped, I would buy it. And in those videos, the music selection was ridiculous. Mm. It was everywhere. It was all over the place from, like, deep heavy metal to, like, the Beatles to like rock, like it was just all so that really turned me on to all of these bands and like 
you know, amazing musicians early on, mm-hmm. like early on in my, before I was a teenager. Mm. So that, again, like there was no iTunes. You couldn't just type something in and listen to it. So, <laughs> yeah. skate, so skate videos were the thing that really like educated me on music and the different genres of music. Yeah. Up until then, it was just whatever was on the radio. It was freestyle music, if you didn't know anything about that. Uh, and then it was Spanish music, merengue, bachata, salsa, all that kind of stuff. And then just the hip hop and the oldie station, yeah, and whatever, and like you know Z one hundred and pop rock and all that stuff. Yeah. Whereas that was new stuff, you know what I'm saying? Whereas skateboarding, it'd be anywhere from new music to like oldies, you know, sure. and, and all in between. So, you know, in one video you can get twelve genres, yeah. <laughs> you know, wow. in one video. So that really like that really like sparked an interest in music and different. Um, genre so like I said like like the, the neighborhood couldn't figure me out because I was all like I was eclectic like <clears throat> coming with the fashion like the skate had its own fashion like we were wearing baggy pants bell bottom pants that would cover your shoe so literally <laughs> yeah. if you're standing you wouldn't see your feet yeah. and they were like what the fuck the hood is like yeah. what is this like what is this right now yeah. you know like so we had our own we had our own code you know what I'm saying like sure. I was buying skateboarding apparel you know new deal you know stuff like that big jeans and stuff like that you know plan b fuck jeans like all this weird shit that they're like what is that you know what's fucked i'm like you know that sounds cool but it looks weird and where'd you get it from i've never heard of it you know so and then i would rock skate shoes you know my parents didn't have money like that so i would rock i would you know they'd buy me a pair of skate shoes and i would wear them to school break them in for like a month and then skate them Mm. because i they, they couldn't afford to buy me Jordans and skate shoes. They're like, no, 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 no. You got to pick one, buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I would, I would, you know, obviously try to like salvage my skate shoes by putting shugu on it, shugu. And duct tape. You know, Yo. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just went somewhere right there with that. <laughs> no, the shugu, the shugu is for real. Yeah, like, you know anything about shugu? Mm-mm. So shugu, you could buy it at Home Depot right now. That's about the only place you could buy it. Really. <laughs> so shugu is literally, it's like melted rubber. In a tube, like a toothpaste. Really? So you literally, it looks like a, it looks like a tube of toothpaste. You you squeeze it out, and it literally comes out like toothpaste, and it hardens into rubber, like straight up rubber. Wow. So obviously, with skating with the grip tape doing tricks, you get your your shoes will wear out, yep. and you get holes in them on on the on the ollie side, and you'd have to put shugu or duct tape because the duct tape you'd go through right away. So it's like, all right, I just got to go. I got to go back upstairs and duct tape my shoe because yeah. I do it already, you know, even if you put like 20 layers. So the shugu was like literally adding rubber back onto your shoe. Wow. I think it was literally just made for skating. I'm convinced. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't, but, it, you yeah, know, but we, the skateboard we, we kept that shit in business. <laughs> By far, it was essential. Like you'd get on the first day, you'd have a hole in your shoe, literally. Like, that's when they started making the, then they put the rubber right there and they started designing and the like, shoes around. But yeah, shugu, that's just like, otherwise you're just buying new shoes all the Unreal. time. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so you would put the shugu on and like, you know, this is crazy, the MacGyver in me. You know, like <laughs> when you when you, when you would put the shugu on, you know, you would think, all right, how do I spread this thing because it's going to stick to my fingers? You'd get like a popsicle stick and you spread it out. But then it would look all crazed, like, because it was sticking to the popsicle stick. So it looked like this funky chunk of stuff on your shoe. <laughs> so you're like, yo, this looks terrible. Like, you know, even when it dries, it's going to look like this weird sculpture that, like, <laughs> you know, so it's hard to really make it look good. Like, you know, yeah. like, ideally, you want to smooth it out and make it look like it was part of the shoe. So between my friends and I, we figured out how to, how to smooth it out. You'd grab an ice cube and you would oh. literally just spread it across 
back and forth because it wouldn't stick to the ice cube. Oh, wow. And you would smooth it out. And you would have like, you can you can reshape the shoe and it would be dope. Yo. Yeah, it would be dope because it was clear. It was clear. Yeah. But then but then it would yellow. You know what I'm saying? With the, with, you know, through, through time. And then when it would, you know, when you would, the abrasion with the skateboard, it would just turn like greenish and shit. So, but at least if it's smooth, yeah. you're chilling. You know what I'm saying? But if it's just, if this shit's like popping out, hanging off the shoe, looking crazy, you're like, oh, like it might even interfere with your skating sometimes because it, it would warp out the shape of your shoe. Mm-hmm. So with the ice, we would smooth it out and it would look amazing. But like, yo, that's a design. Like, yo, that, <laughs> you know, that's actual, like, yo, I'm designing shoes right now. <laughs> you know? We would literally like, yo. The shoe go edition. That yo, is amazing. Yeah, we would like, we would like challenge each other, like create shapes and shit. Like, Stop playing. You know, like a whole new Ollie patch, like with contour and like, Scope the, t- the, the 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 toe down and shit. And it was yeah. like this art. It became an art. That's so again, incredible. going back to like, the curiosity of how this mold of a shoe is made, I'm getting close, the closest I could possibly get to it with shoe goo. Yeah. The closest. I That's love it. Incredible. I fucking love that, bro. I just I just haven't heard the like shoe goo and so you said I'm like, oh you know, yeah. just when you you like you just un like think of a memory. Yep. Fact. You just uncover it. You're like, oh wow. That's been hanging out back there for years. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, right? You you where'd you grow up? Here. Yeah, so New York to LA, and we can have this connection over Shugu. Yeah. That's insane. How crazy is that? That's incredible. Talking about culture. I, wish, you know what I'm saying? I wish I knew about the ice, man. My, my Shugu always was just like sloppy. Slathered and lathered. <laughs> slathering, slathering all day long. Bro. It was horrible, but got the job done. I love that. That's incredible. What, what was school like for you coming up? So school was interesting because, again, I was kind of like an outcast. Um, Wearing skateboarding shoes where people were like, what in the hell are those? Like, what are, what are, you know, what are DC shoes or what are, you know, even Vans? They were like, what, what is that? You know, it was a Nike world, the Adidas world. It was Queens. It was an Adidas world for the mm. most part. And of course, Nike. But yeah, man, it was, it was, it was interesting because, you know, people couldn't figure me out. I was a loner for, for the majority of the time, but I always managed to click with people. But like I said, like it, it became a part of my personality where I wouldn't, um, I wasn't associated with like any particular group. And you know, in schools, there's packs. For sure. People that just click together. For and sure. then at lunchtime, it's like this little click over there. Like, I'd be the guy to jump between the clicks, like, yo, what's up? I'll keep it short. You're the nomad. Next one, and then I'll be by myself. Boom. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, aside from all that, like, believe it or not, even though I was a loner and like kind of this outcast, I still pulled the ladies. So they were like, man. What what what's he doing? Like what? Like it was always this curiosity. So that always invited me into the clicks, you know, for like a hot second to say what's up, and it was cool. But then I would keep it moving. So I was always like, when I was by myself, I'd be with a little shorty talking, whatever, whatever, and it would it would build curiosity with the clicks. Were like, yo, this dude's weird, but then he's what's talking? Allison doing with homie? You know, like, and like so like that was that was that was just the dynamic of school for me. Was it by choice? I, no, it wasn't by choice, man. It was just the fact that like. Because I would spend so much time skateboarding with this eclectic clique of people from different walks of life or different neighborhoods, that's what I, that's what, you know, I I found my comfort in. Like, Mm. you know what I'm saying? That's where I found my home. Whereas when I was in school, it was just, not to say that it was childish because I was young too, but it was kind of like this, like, you know, this is kind of stupid. It's kind of done. The things they're talking about and like the competition and like, you know, cutthroat each other and like the fights and fighting over a girl or whatever. Like I was just like, oh, whatever. Like it just didn't interest me. I just wasn't into it. You know, the, I was into music and if they were talking about music and the latest thing, like I'd be, I'd, I'd be all ears in it. And then when it's over, 
and it's on to some bullshit, I'll be out. I'm like, all right, I'm mm-hmm. going to go sit over here, you know? Because <laughs> it was like, you know, like the, the clique of friends that I had that were like part-time skaters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they were like into polo and they were like into like, you know, Ralph Lauren and like Hill figure at the time. I didn't have money. So they would like, they, they would spend their money on that. They would get whatever money they can get and buy new clothes. So at first, like I didn't have, I didn't have clothes like that. So, you know, I would kind of get, I would get pushed out like, you know, hey, we're going to go after school and hang out with these girls. And then I was clearly not invited because I didn't have the gear. So I was like, all right, whatever. And then after a while, you know, when I started making a little bit of money working retail, this was like late junior high, early high school, I started pulling up with the gear. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I'm going to get fly now, you know, for myself. You know, I was like, I'm going to get the clothes for myself. You know, and then I was, you know, I was the freshest dude at that point. They were like... Where did this guy went from like out of you know, nowhere he like, came out know, the woodwork you know but I still kept to myself I didn't be like yo can I get in now I was just like mm. I kept it moving so it was like yo you want to hang out with us I'm like nah, I'm alright I'm good so that was always this weird dynamic of like I'm kind of in but I'm not mm. you know so and, and and I found comfort in that because then I, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like um, I had to depend on a best friend to get approval or to get co-signed or to wait on a, on a friend to like show up to go out. Yeah. I would just go out. If you're there, you're there. If you're not, whatever. Did, do you think in that time you really found comfort within yourself and like a, just a grounding of being comfortable with who you were and finding out who you were? I would say yes and no. Part of it was I felt comfortable with, with the reality that like, I don't have, I, I know myself and I don't have to be like that to be cool. Okay. So I found that at an early age. Which well, is hella important. Yeah, yeah. So I, I never felt like I never. I can't remember being like, I'm not as cool as them, and that depresses me. I always felt like I can't relate to them, so that depresses me, oh, or they can't relate to me. Got you. That was kind of the weird dynamic I had growing up. Like, like I felt like I could easily become a part of their clique, but they couldn't accept me for who I was to become a part of their clique. Mm. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. So for me, it was like. I felt like I had to change to be a part of the clique, and I'm like, I ain't gonna, you know, I'm not gonna go to that. I'm not yeah. gonna change who I am. And skating is 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 very like nonconformist, also. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, yeah, it's crazy when you kind of think about that that dynamic of just like solidifying one's identity, because I feel like, especially in, you know, junior high and high school, it's one of those scenarios where a lot of people just conform to fit in, and like yeah. naturally, it kind of evolves through life. You yep. know what I'm saying? Like yep. even cats in L.A. like, yo, let me fit in, but true freedom is just finding your identity and being yeah. solid with it. Like, it, it's so wild for me to think back on, like, high school. Like, I was kind of like you, just that nomad, like, athletic, was super into hip-hop, loved hip-hop, loved Pac, loved Big Nas, everybody, and just, like, I was looked at by the white kids of, like, why are you trying to be black? But, like, the black kids really fuck with me because I was, like, super yep. into the culture, and I'd always have to deal with why are you trying to be black? But my response was, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, <laughs> define what being black is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, to be able to have, like, looking back at those experiences and just looking back at those times, I see a very big parallel. And I'm actually really thankful because being able to kind of accept your own identity and explore that gives you so much more freedom to blossom into the person that you are as opposed to always trying to fit in yeah and like fitting in especially like you start looking back at it and you're seeing it like damn like what what did you do to just like 
want to always be a part of a group where it's always changing. Like mm. you lose sight of even finding yourself by just fitting into whatever the cool kids or like the, the, the cool group is. It's an, it's an incredible, you know, instance to even see in your life that you were able to really just like internalize you, even though there was kind of like thoughts towards where do I fit in? How do I even, you know, they don't understand me. But just that level of comfort within oneself to know that you had an identity and it was okay to a degree is an incredible, you know, mental space to be in and very liberating when it just like comes down to figuring oneself out as they grow in this universe. You know what I'm saying? Because we could be pulled in so many different directions, especially if we just want to be down. Exactly. You know what I mean? What was it that, that, kind of push you towards getting a job early on? Because that's young, junior high. Yeah, man, because like I said, my parents didn't have money, and then um, my brother came along, and then obviously the little bit of money that was coming to me was getting split, going to him. So eventually my sister came along. So at that point, I'm like, I had I had needs. I had things I wanted. You know, skateboarding is not, an, uh, it's not a cheap thing to be Mm-mm. involved in. You know, mm-hmm. boards are expensive. Sneakers are expensive. Shugu could only help you so much. You know, really, you know? So Shugu was expensive too. It was. Yeah, I was going. I was going through twos, man. I was keeping. I was keeping that company in business, man, for sure. Me, me and the click. So yeah, I just wanted to be able to like buy the things that I wanted, you know. And it was more out of like the fact that like I understood my parents' position and I felt grateful for what they were able to give me or had been given me. That I'm like, hey, okay, you know, that's fair. I gotta, I gotta get mine. Yeah. So the dude that had the skate shop, the local skate shop in my area, he closed up eventually. And I was like sad. And then another person opened the skate shop in that same little mini mall. And it wasn't the same vibe, you know, because this guy that had it was like, he was just a neighborhood person that was like really into the culture and like, you know, always getting new boards and product. So eventually he disappeared for a little bit. He was a Korean guy too. So um, it was interesting that, you know, he was into like servicing skateboarders and buying product, you know, it was like, it was like this weird kind of feeling and like, wow, man, this older guy cares about this stuff. This is interesting. You know, it's even more intriguing, you know, to, to, yeah. to come through and talk to this Korean guy. That's like, cool. You know, like yeah. older guy, like, you know, what's up? You know, like I got this new, I got the new Tony Hawk. And he was like into it. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, man. Like, you know, a lot that my dad wasn't into it, but he just wasn't into it like yeah. that yeah. on that level. So anyway, so that guy disappeared for a minute. And then a couple of years, he, he resurfaced and opened up. He was opening a new store uh, in the same area, just a few blocks away. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, can I help out? And I was like, you know, anything you need, let me know. And I would just kept coming around the store as he was just bringing in stock. Mm. And I was just there, you know. And then an older skate guy that I skateboarded with, but he was much older, so he was never around. It was hard for me to catch up with him. He's always traveling. He was kind of like helping him out too, like ordering, like telling him what to order, like kind of like bringing him up to speed on what's dope, the brands or whatever. So I, I kind of latched on to that. And... uh he didn't end up taking the job. The guy got thought. I guess he thought that the skate guy was gonna come work for him, but he was just helping him out. He's like, "All right, I've, I've set you up. I'm out." Mm. So I was left standing there. I'm like, "Hey, how you doing?" So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, man. He gave me a job, and I was like, it was a sneaker store slash skate shop. So they had sneakers and they had boards. Hey, that's what I need. Perfect, yeah. I need the two. You know, so I ended up getting the job there, man. Like under the books, whatever. Small little store. 
Next thing you know, man, I'm 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 the guy on the phone calling up the brands, putting in orders because mm. he trusts me to have like an eye for what's dope. And yeah, I started making a little bit of money, man. And then I just started, you know, buying my stuff at a discount from him and then buying clothes, you know, going to the outlets, buying some Hilfiger, some polo, hey. saving up some money, came back to school the next year, like flying and like, yo, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, you know, with my own taste, you know, For not sure, like, yeah. yo, I'm going to buy what these dudes are buying. I'm going to the outlets, picking up stuff that like, you were at the Nexus, you know. That's incredible. Yeah, so I was like, yo, I'm going to buy like, you know, I was putting outfits together, like dope stuff, like. And I was catching everybody off guard, you know, de- developing my own style, you know. And that just, from there, that just, my style just started to really blossom, you know, like my choices and stuff like that. Between mixing skate clothes with Hilfiger and Polo and skate shoes with like, you know, stuff like that. And it was just like, I just stood out, you know. It was like, yo, he's he's in his own lane. Mm. And, you know, I, some of the ladies liked that. So it, it, it kind of worked out because I became quite the... I kind of, at one point, like skateboarding, the interest of skateboarding, ladies kind of balanced out a little bit. You know, I started like chasing that. the ladies, you know? As, For sure. Especially like as you're growing up too. Yeah. Like priorities change. You know? yeah. Absolutely. Develop into the teenage years. Um, I wanted to just ask a point right here of being, you know, coming not from money and obviously seeing those responsibilities that of, of your siblings and your parents working and, and then seeing where you stood and your friend stood, right? Did that drive you in terms of your creativity or your work ethic? Just how did you kind of react to that? I mean, for me growing up, there wasn't that huge gap of wealth. Sure. Like, you know, so the people around me weren't... Like balling. Yeah, ball, yet. you know what I'm saying? So the only people that were balling were the drug dealers and it was clear, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, but... I, you know, I was, I was so exposed to that. That's like, yeah, that's the wrong way to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get caught up in that, you know? So, yeah, I mean, for me, like the only, the only huge contrast was television to see like wealth and Mm -hmm. like lifestyles of the rich and famous type stuff, you know? And even like that, you didn't see the details of it. You Mm -hmm. just saw the face value of it. So it was hard to understand Mm -hmm. other than like, do I got to win the lotto, you know, to get there, you know? Not like the work or like, you know, like, oh, you know, my my, my boy's parents are wealthy. So that's why he has all the things he has. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were just, a lot of the people in my circle were hustling. Uh, they were just you. out there hustling and gotcha. I just knew that I didn't want to do that. Oh, interesting. You know, I was okay. like, I just want to skate and I want to, I want to, I want to carve this lane and take it as far as I can go. Hopefully get sponsored, come to Cali cause that's what I wanted mm. and, you know, go pro, you know? So that's, that's, Got you it. know, whereas some kids, you know, either dropped out of school to, to do their thing mm. or, you know, whether it's a drop out, do drugs or skate, whatever, whatever. I was like, yeah, my parents ain't going to. They're not going to accept that. They're sure. not going to be like, yeah, give up school for that. So I, I kept that healthy balance of school and skate. Obviously, that just didn't work to my benefit. But at the end of the day, I realized, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go do school instead of you know taking this next step of pushing my limits with skateboarding, knowing the reality that's not going to pan out. Why didn't you think it was going to pan out? Just because at the time, by the time I was like 18, you know, skate brands, especially being in New York, it was extremely difficult to get sponsored mm-hmm. and get paid mm-hmm. sponsorship. Uh, those were f- few and far in between from an East Coast perspective. I mean, you could, at the time, you can count how many skaters were pro from the East Coast on, on one hand. Mm. It wasn't like, yo, you know, not like now. And, you, you know, usually brands are looking for like really young skaters to sponsor, like really, really young Unfortunately for me, when I was when I was you know twelve between thirteen and I was in my prime and I was incredible according to my friends and the people around me, 
skateboarding industry wasn't popping like that. There mm-hmm. wasn't that money wasn't in the industry to like kick it my way. It just <clears> didn't <throat> exist. I was just the wrong time. Sure. Had yeah. I been like 13, three years later at that level, maybe. Right. But That's by the time I, I, I really hit my, 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 my peak, it was like there was no money in skateboarding and I was from New York. So I realized that I was like, get it. I got it. Let me just follow my passion, my other passion that came from skating, which was art. How was art blossoming during your high school period? So I was in, and I went to Bayside High School, and it was uh, it was known for art, sports, and art. I mean, they had a fabulous uh, football team and baseball team, women's baseball team too. They killed, they killed it. Really, <laughs> they were like really good. <laughs> so, but they had an art, they had an art program for whatever it's worth. I mean, art, but, you know, nothing no, yeah. crazy. But they had art, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I went there for that. I went there specifically to say, hey, I want to go here for art, and. Were you still drawing at the time? Yeah, I was definitely drawing. I was always drawing stuff. Okay, like so said. that stayed with you. Yeah, I was always drawing like little cartoon characters and like literally copying comic books line by line. Again, how do they do this? Like trying to mimic it or take it apart. Sure. It either, it, it, how do I copy it or take it apart to figure it out? So I was always collecting comic books and baseball cards and whatever and little and actual comic book cards that they were doing at the time, like mm. baseball cards. And I would literally try to draw the characters and mimic it like 100% challenging myself to mm-hmm. get the lines right, the shading and the colors. So that was always happening. And for going, making the decision to go to art school, um, did you like throughout high school excel in art classes? Was this becoming a more like prominent part of your life or was it coming out of like, you just needed to pick something to focus on as you, as you kind of take this next chapter? Yeah, interesting enough, like, the art program wasn't, like, this major thing there. I mean, it's not what you would expect it to be. It was just... It's a normal art program. It's just a normal art program. It wasn't, like, pushing the boundaries. It was just... It was light, for what I I would say. Mm -hmm. Looking back right now, it wasn't, like, this amazing school that offered this incredible art program to really broaden your horizons and challenge you to create something. It was just whatever. So I felt lost because of it. I, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like the art classes were teaching me anything. I didn't feel like, wow, because of this art class, I've developed this skill. Oh wow! I just felt stagnant. I felt like I was like I'm just kind of doing the same thing I've always been doing. You know, you're not teaching me something, you know, groundbreaking. Like, Here's a TV guide. Now draw it. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't like that. It wasn't really pushing it for me. Like there was talent in the school. There was people that were sure. talented, sure. but they were just talented. It wasn't because they walked in and they had this small bit of talent and this teacher just made the talent rigorous curriculum and, like yeah, it wasn't like yeah you know, so i so there was people that were better than me and more talented than me and then i was just here and i was in i just felt i was in the same place so mm. i didn't it, it kind of discouraged me a little bit because sure. i felt like maybe art's not the way to go it's not you know and obviously the teachers were pushing law school or the, the, the you know the the usual suspects, like the the cliche things to go to school for law, whatever. Stability. Yeah, like nobody was saying art school. Like I wasn't hearing teachers talk about art schools. I wasn't hearing teachers telling us about what are the top five art schools. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I'm like, what am I doing here? You know? And it's crazy because if I if I back up a couple of years, when I was early on, when I was skateboarding, and there was that clash of art and skateboarding, and I was clearly into art through skateboarding, you know, I would be at family reunions every weekend in a different house. And, you know, that question would come up. Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do sure. for a career-wise? And I would say, I want to be an artist. 
and I would get negative feedback from family. Mm. And I remember this one time an aunt of mine said, in, in, in a group setting, a dinner table or whatever with the whole fam, she goes, you know, uh, artists don't become successful until after they're dead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Painters <laughs> yeah. don't become like who they are until they, they're dead and they're gone. You know what I'm saying? Like Picasso wasn't Picasso when he was alive, you know, whatever. So I was like, oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> For real. You know, so, uh, you know, shut, it, it, crush my shut it down. You know what yeah. I mean? So then my mom... <laughs> You know, like my mom, I remember she 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 noticed my reaction of like, oh, you know, whatever. Thanks for the support. <laughs> and I remember we were driving home. I, I, I still remember this, man. We were driving home and my mom made a point when we were driving by this store and my mom says, oh, it was a new perfume shop that opened in the neighborhood. We were driving home. And she's like, oh, wow, this new perfume store. I wonder if they have Oscar de la Renta new perfume in there. And I was just like, I was like, all right, whatever. Well, that was random. <laughs> like, you know, my mom just being like, I want something new, whatever. And then she goes, and she says to me, she goes, hey, you know what? Oscar de la Renta's Dominican. And he's a real person. Like, he's, you know, and he's a designer. Oscar de la Renta's a brand. And he's a Dominican guy. And I was like, I was like, Oh shit! Like you know, like he's a, he's a, he's living. He's successful. Mm-hmm. So she made a point to like, kind of like that oh, mama shout love. out to yeah. mom. Yeah, yeah. Man. For real. So you know, this I was young. I was like, I want to say anywhere between twelve and fourteen ish in sure. that in that in that range when she said this to me. She made it tangible. Yeah. So she, you know, she was like, she pointed, she made that point. And up until then, you know, there was no internet, so it's not like I could look this guy up and just, you know, I had just loosely heard the name maybe in a commercial or something. So the, the name rang a bell, but Dominican and he's a real person. At the time, I'm like, you know, Versace and all these brands are made up people. I don't think they're real people. They're just names, yeah, you know, like good. going back to skateboarding. Like I was so naive in this curiosity that you remember Santa Monica Airlines, mm-hmm. the board company. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, so you got to be like a real company to make a skateboarding company? <laughs> You get what I'm saying? Like the naivete, like, you know, yeah, I'm like, yeah, how yeah. do you come up with these? How do you become a real skateboard company? You have to like, you have to have the rights. Like, I, I'm just lost. I'm like, how yeah. do these things work? And like when, like Santa Cruz, and I'm like, how do they come up with Santa Cruz? And someone be like, oh, Santa Cruz is a place in California. I was like, oh, so to be a skateboard, you have to be a, an official town? <laughs> you know, like just like being like, I just, you know, yeah. you don't understand how these things work. And then Santa Monica yeah. Airlines, and I'm like, oh, I'm starting to piece You don't these. have the internet where you could just like dive yeah. in. Like, and oh, I'm starting out. to piece these things together, how these things work. And you know, like, <laughs> I love it. you know what I'm saying? It, and then it's like, you know, Paul Peralta, it's like, you know, one of the, one of the hot boys on my block, Dominican guy, his last name was Peralta. Oh, wow. So he's like, yo, come here. That's my name on your board. And I was like, what? Peralta, that's my name. And I'm like, wait, what? So you got to have like a real name to have a skateboard company? <laughs> Yo, I'm like lost. I'm like, how does this shit you've work? you Peralta, you've seen Tony Hawk. You, yeah, see, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, how do these skateboard brands become? Like, how do you make a skateboard brand? Anyway, so going back to the point of my mom. So she made this thing real for me. I'm like, oh, he's a designer. He's got perfume and he's got dresses and like he makes clothes. And I'm like, so that in my mind was like, yeah, I could be an artist. Yeah, I could do this. That's a real thing. Like, awesome. yeah, I'm going to I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Fast forward a couple years later, my it's like my senior year in high school. I go into my last Spanish class of the year. First day of the class, new teacher, whatever, new new level. I walk in. She's she's a happens to be a Dominican woman. Super beautiful, whatever, just beautiful person, beautiful look and everything about her was just like 
I'm happy to be in this class. This is dope. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, like, this is dope. Here. So, you know, her class was like really dope because she had like picture frames on the wall. Like she kind of made it inviting, you know, it was like, oh, this is dope. The vibe is dope. And she says, um, at, at, at some point, she says something to the effect of like successful people in the world, like Oscar de la Renta. And she had a picture frame of the guy, wow. her with the guy and his wife. Oh. She took a photo with him and it was in frame on the wall. And I was like, whoa. It just became He's real. real. Like years later, like, you know, I had forgotten about what my mom said, but that day reminded me of the reality. Mm. And again, this was my last year in high school where I was lost. And I was yeah. like, art, oh man, this is like, it, it, it's been killed for me again someone killed it for me again like, everybody the talking school about killed it. colleges yeah everyone's yeah. talking about like i'm applying to yale i'm applying to whatever berkeley whatever like for all these like typical the shit that i'm like i have no business doing that i have no interest in it <laughs> sure i come from a dominican household that has no ties to this culture and like you know it's not like i learned all of this stuff i have no idea what, what being a lawyer is anything about in the u.s like I'm not going to go into there blind. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to be a doctor or whatever. Sure. No interest for that stuff. I'm not going to be a mathematician. Hated it. You know, I got by. I just got by in high school. Yeah. I just made the grade just to get by. I was like, I, I can't wait to get out of this and be done. You know, so I, like at that last year, I was like, you know, it came down to it, like applying for schools. I had to really take it seriously. And I'm like, you know, I'm not really into this. You know, my dad was like, you know, hey, there's the military. They give you a lot of benefits, you know. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, sure, you know what? That's, that's something to think about. So I, I started thinking about everything, all the possibilities yeah. other than a, a generic route of mm -hmm. like, you know, whatever. Doctor, lawyer. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. And then when I stepped into that class, my last like year, first year, like, and that she said that and she pointed to Oscar de la Renta. Like up until that point, I don't think I had ever seen the man's face. Wow. I don't even know what he looked like. I had no idea. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the fact that that came up was like an epiphany. Like, I just got reminded, yeah, I can do this. That yeah, could be me. I could be me. I can go to art school and become successful. It, it sparked the dream again as a reality versus, Incredible. like... At this, what a perfect time, yeah, too. Yeah, and it's like, you know, this naive kid still not having a clue how this thing really works and saying, I have a dream and I'm going for it and it keeps getting shattered every left and right. And now I'm like, the world... Is, it works in this crazy way, man, sure. like the universe. But that, that one picture set it off. Wow. And I started looking into colleges for art school and this and that. And, you know, it came down to applications. Like, you got to turn in your applications. You got to do your essays and all this stuff. And I was like, whatever, whatever, whatever. I, put, I brushed them off. I probably applied to, like, one community college just to, like, tick the box, like, check the box. <laughs> and be like, all right, I did one. I did one. <laughs> and then I got fixated on Parsons School of Design. What was it, it about Parsons? Uh, just like I had mentioned, like no one was saying, here are the top five art schools. No one was educating me. So mm -hmm. I started to venture out and look. And a friend of mine who was a year ahead of me at, at Bayside High School, he got into Parsons. So I'm like, and he was an ill-talented artist. Where is Parsons? It's in the city. It's in Manhattan, in the village. It is. Yeah it's, yeah, it's near Washington Square Park. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and then like, you know, I got the word that like Donna Karen went to Parsons. And like, I'm like... That's where I want to go. Mm. So shout out to my man Omar Hernandez. Like he went to Parsons and I saw it through him, his like experience first semester. And he's like, yo, this shit's crazy. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, I want to do this, you know? So I, I applied. And then I remember one of my teachers were like, hey, did you apply to school yet? And I was like, no. And they're like, you got to get on it. And I was like, all right. So he followed up with me again. He goes, did you apply to school yet? And I was like, I did. He goes, which ones? And I was like, well, just one. And he's like, 
just one. I was like, yeah. He's like, what? And he's like, what'd you apply to? And I was like, Parsons School Design. He goes, oh, good luck with that one. <laughs> like, because it was like a tough school. So yeah. again, shattering the dream. And I'm like, wow. and he's like, you know, that's not a smart move. Like, you know, that's, a, that's not a smart move. One and that, like, <laughs> buddy, like, you're, on, you're like, dude. <laughs> he looked at me he literally looked at me like what a dumb motherfucker like, oh my like he God. looked at me like side eye like oh God, this idiot like what, what <laughs> have like, we not have, real? have we not taught this kid anything in this school you know what I'm saying it's finally like you're excited you see the possibility yeah, yeah. it's He's real like, so he was like you should apply to some other schools real quick cause it was like the deadline, like the, like it was like the deadline like I had to like he was like yeah. you should just throw some Hail Marys into the business <laughs> and I'm like I'm gonna take my chances man I'm gonna go this route and, you know, you know, then sometime later, like, you know, you know, they had regencies exams. I don't know if you, if they have that here. Uh -huh. a, regents, a, a regents diploma. No. So it's like this extra harder test on top of your, all your tests. Okay. It's like a, gov like a state thing. And you take, it's like taking like the SATs mm. okay. but for like each subject. It's crazy. So like you would have to pass this, this uh, regents exam for all your, all your classes from math, science, English, and whatever else. And it was very challenging. It was like taking the SATs in high school. Yeah. And you would graduate with a Regis diploma. So like I was right away, I was like, I was like, do I need to need that to graduate? They're like, well, yeah, but not really, but you, sh you we expect you to pass it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm not studying extra. I'm just yeah. trying to get by to get out of here. Right, right. I'm not trying to study on top of that to take this crazy test. That's like, I've heard that shit's like an, an hour and a half long to take. For every class. I'm like, I'm done. So sure enough, I failed on them shits. <laughs> and then like my math teacher walks in and I like whatever, like the, the grades take a while to come back. And I remember that going in, I took the test because I had to take it. I was like, I failed this shit. So whatever. And I walked into the math class and the, the dude says, all right, you know, whatever math, uh, your region scores are coming in next week. And, you know, reminder, if you fail, if you, if you didn't pass, you fail the class. And I was like, what? I was like, I'm trying to graduate. I'm like, I was like, you and me outside right now Stop. to the teacher. I was like, because I didn't want to make, I didn't want to have this conversation. And in you, front of, you didn't realize that like if you had failed it, you failed the class. Like oh, it kind of wow. like, it was like never really put out there. It was kind of like subliminal, but yeah. like, you know, they just expect you to pass and they expect you to like study for it and pass it yeah. to get a Regents diploma. Cause they're like, it's like they, 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 they almost saw it as like, Every, every, it's the thing to have. Like everyone wants it, but not really. Yeah. So they kind of tried to Jedi mind tricking into the, you want it. Yeah. You want a region yeah. diploma. The school probably gets money. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. So I was like, so I was like, you, me outside right now. So he's like, <laughs> okay. And I was like, I stepped outside and I was like, I opened the doors. Like, come out. I was like, look, <laughs> Yo, my man, so look, gotta... I'm not here for a region's diploma. Period. You cannot fail me. I did not fail the class. I passed the class. By hairline, but I passed the class. Like, you cannot fail me. I'm out of here. I got to graduate. Yeah. So he looked at me like, uh, and he was like, well, I can't. No, 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 You can. Because there's no, there's nowhere saying that you, if you, so that means if I fail one, if that, because I know I didn't pass this math, you know what I'm saying? And I, you know, in my mind, I was like, I didn't pass any of this shit. <laughs> so you mean to tell me if I pass all the other ones, English, whatever, and I fail this one, I get left back? I was like, hell no. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make sense. No. He's like, all right. So I, I put the fear in him because I, yo, dude, <laughs> yo I was, I'm about God, to body slam you. <laughs> this little 120 pounder is going to body slam your ass. Like right now. Like, so he was like, all right, I get it. I get it. So he passed me. Wow. Imagine so, if he didn't say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I was like, no way. So then, you know, fast forward, then like, 
I'm like, it's not even about Parsons at this point. I said, I want to graduate. I want to get out. I don't want to come back here. No, no, period. no, no, no. So then finally, whatever, I get called in for a, an interview at Parsons. I sent my portfolio, uh, to bring in my portfolio so they could review it. So uh, I walk in, I'm, I'm waiting. And then finally this dude comes out like, all right, hey, homie, whatever. And I look up and we look at each other and he's like, hell no. When I read your name, I was like, it can't be him. It was a dude that I used to skateboard with Stop many moons ago, like years ago, because I was always skating in the city and whatever, whatever. So really? The, so the, the, the admissions counselor was a dude that I used to skateboard with back in. He was older. He was a little older than me. You know, so um, so the dude took me in. He was like, oh, my God, bro, how long has it been? Blah, blah, blah. Wow. And he just, like, took me under his under his wing, and he coached me on how to, like, go back and, like, really you know, hype up my portfolio and draw some new pieces. And like, he's like, here's what you need to do. Here's what we're looking for. And he challenged me. So sure enough, man, I That's went home. That's divine intervention, Yo, bro. Tell me about it. So I went home, you know, small one bedroom apartment. I'm in the kitchen drawing with the lights on. Everyone else is in bed, you know, just right over there. And I'm like, you know, just getting in, man. I drawing mad pieces. And, you know, thanks to his guidance, you know, I submitted my portfolio again, and I got in, bro. Wow. wow. So, again, the power blessing, of networking, dude. the power of networking yeah. came to fruition with divine intervention, bro. Because <sighs> it could have been some other random person. I'm like, nah, your shit's whack. Uh, I don't think you got what it takes. Peace. Yeah. Wow. Nothing. That was it. You Good know? to see you, buddy. Yeah. Wow. And there was one school. I mean, I applied to another school technically. That was just some community college shit. I don't even think I got accepted. <laughs> Fast fuck. I was like, I don't even remember if I got accepted to that. I think I didn't get accepted to that. Because like everyone, every other, oh, you had to pay for these applications. I'm like, I saw the math. I'm like, yeah, I'm this ain't adding up. Money. I don't have money like that to like <laughs> yeah. pay for shit that I don't want to go to. I don't even want to go there, you know? So anyways, yeah, man. So I got in. Wow. Yeah. What was that feeling like? It was dude, it was incredible. I mean, it took a while to find out. Yeah. So it was it was it was just heart-wrenching like because I was lost. I, I knew I was going to graduate, but yeah, I'm like exactly, what am I going to yeah. do in my life? Like, you know, this is crazy. What am I going to do in my life? You know, I already made up the, the I already made up my mind I wasn't going to do the military. It just didn't seem right for me. I wasn't I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. So I was like skateboarding was just not going to happen. So I was just like, damn, I was kind of depressed. I was like, yo, shit's just you know, reality's rough right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, man, I got that freaking notice in the mail. Where like, I was just like, they, they sent. I, I had left a piece behind for them to review, so mm-hmm. it came with the piece oh. and the, the whole acceptance letter. And it was just wow. like, yo, mama, mama. Speed <laughs> up, so literally, what, I was what, like, mama. <laughs> yeah. What, what was it? How how were your parents? What was your mom's like? I mean, you know. I mean, they were. It was a weird excitement because it wasn't like you're gonna be a doctor. It was like you're yeah. gonna be an artist, but what, like what? Like what? congratulations, really, like, you know? Like how? Like even though my mom kind of got it, they just did, naive as I was. They don't know. They didn't know how it worked. They didn't sure. know like art school. Not they like, haven't experienced yeah. that even as a possibility. So it's yeah, just kind of like yeah, uncharted yeah. water. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it's not like they're not excited for me, but they're just like. They don't even know what kind of advice to give me. Yeah. Sure, you know, sure. They don't really know what to say. Like, well, then you're going to need to do this and do it like this. And then you're going to need to make sure that you, you know, really think about it from an architectural perspective. You know, they, they just yeah, don't yeah. know. So it was more like, this is amazing. Okay. <laughs> like, 
go for it. Right. <laughs> you just just figure. All right, go for it. Yeah. In your head, were you like, all right, this is it? Like I'm locking in. Like this is about yeah. to be a movie. Like yeah, everything is coming down. Like there's no way I'm gonna not let this be the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Well, the crazy part about it was that Parsons is very expensive. Mm-hmm. It's extremely expensive. So that was already working against me from that, I guess, that teacher's perspective. One, you might not have the smarts to get in or the talent and B, can't afford that. That's crazy. So it all fell into place, man. That guy introduced me to what was called HEOP, H-E-O-P, Higher Education Opportunity Program which was a program that was being run inside of Parsons. Mm. They had they had an office dedicated to it. So it was a it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a government program in the city of New York for a higher education opportunity program and he connected me with them. Mm. So when I tell you things fell into place, things fell into place. Because the reality is like I got in but can I really go there? Wow. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it was like this other big like hurdle to get over and then realize like yo, how am I going to do this? My parents can't afford it. Period. Period, they couldn't afford it. And at the same time, I was privy to the fact of like student loans could drown me and I could never pay them off. So I'm like, so it was another level of stress, like, you know, and depression. Like, how do I really take on this this opportunity and Absolutely. maximize it? So, you know, it wasn't like smooth sailing. For sure. It, it was like, there was still to the last minute, there was that possibility that I wasn't going to be able to do it. Oh, man. And attend. So he, he, communic- he got me in touch with the, the, the HEOP program. I applied. And man, I got in. They, they they accepted me. My parents didn't make you know those requirements, For salary sure. requirements. My parents were well below it, whatever, whatever. So I got you know grants, scholarships, and aid, and a combination of loans. Incredible that allowed me to get into it. And you know, fast forward, like, or should I say, rewind? Because my friend Omar, he got into the same program. Oh, so he wow. didn't really break it down for me. Got what it. it was, he just said, I got into this, I got accepted through the HEOP program to go to Parsons. I was like, oh, whatever that means, you know, I was like, yeah. whatever. Congratulations. So, you know, but <laughs> you're fucking in art school. This is amazing, you know. And unfortunately, he ended up falling out of it. He just, he didn't see it through. So I never, I, I probably saw him for one semester. Gotcha. So I didn't get to really like go under his wing to be like, yo, walk me through this, help me through this, you know, whatever. He, he, he pieced out. So being that I got that challenge and, and, it was a challenge, and then it was an opportunity all together. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in. And I, I literally applied myself in college. I actually did the work. I studied. I did the research. Whereas in college, I mean, in high school and, and, and junior high, it was just a goodbye. I put my yeah. head down half the time in class. I would fall asleep. You know, I, I, was, I wasn't really there. You know what I'm saying? I was literally just getting by. But yeah, man, in college, like, I really did the work, man. What was that curriculum like? Like, what, what was that just, like, experience like for you just – being hit with all of this, it had to have been just rigorous, like just, but yeah. being hit with all of this, just like foundational elements, like I've, I, the way that you're describing it, I feel like you were a kid in a candy store, just like going ballistic. Crazy. Yeah, 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 because again, it was like, here I am in a, you know, when I saw my man Omar and his talent level, and he was uh, sort of confident in his skills from when I first met him to when he got to Parsons, it was like, yo, there's some talent, you know, like there's some mm-hmm. real talent here. Like I thought I was the man, but mm-hmm. there's some ill talent at Parsons and the teachers and like, so I'm like, oh, that's where I want to go. I want to go where I, I want to go where I'm not the best. I want to go where I'm the underdog or I'm like, I'm like entry level and I'm here to like soak it in and learn. Yeah. Cause that's where I felt throughout school. I just felt like I wasn't, um, I wasn't engaged 
And I just didn't feel like the people, the things around me were engagement, engaging enough for me to aspire to like take it in and like mm. do the homework and study. It was just like, it just didn't, it just didn't connect with me, whereas mm-hmm. art did. So when I was there, I realized I'm like, this opportunity cannot go in vain. Sure. Like I got to really go for this hard body, like 1000%. And it was crazy because with the, with the HEOP program, what they do is, they understand who, who who these kids are. They're underprivileged kids or they don't have money. This is an opportunity they, they would normally get. That's why the program was created. So they knew going in that they had to create a program that can help set us up for the first semester. So you, you actually start Parsons four days after you graduate from high school. So oh, four days wow. after graduating from high Boom. school, I was at Parsons. Mm. You know wow. what I'm saying? In it. So they had what was called the summer program. So it was like a it was like a preheater to like your first semester. <laughs> so they really like challenged you, and it was dope because it it prepared me for the real deal, mm, sure. you know, you know, semester. Whereas I know without it, I would have probably bowed out. Wow. I would have probably not been able to take it. So, you know, um, so the first summer was that, and then they have they have like they have mentors with you that are in it that have already been it for like a year. So they work with you and they walk you through it, like kind of like my man Omar. I want I wanted to do that with him in the semester, but you know he was out. So basically, with that thing, that yo, that set me straight. Like this is gonna be hard, but I know what it takes to do it because I'm I'm actually in it now. And it was like no looking back, no mm. turning around. I was like, for the first time, I'm picking up books and reading through them. I'm like I'm in. And the crazy part about the first year is, it's called foundation. The first year of, of Parsons, yep. and it's fucking, you know, dude. It's like boot camp for art. Wild, because it's all these art classes plus your liberals. Mm. So it's intense. So you got three D design, you got live drawing, so models, nude models. Every fucking morning, you're drawing nude, nude, nude models. You've had you had digital design, you had two um, um, D design, and there was a couple. Of, so there was like six art classes, like core art classes. And then there was a shop class. And then there was like five liberals. So for like your first year, I was taking like Slammed. 10 to 11 classes. Oh, wow. Like it was intense, bro. Oh. It was like, you know, it was sleepless nights and it was stressful. But like, you know, it's stressful in, in, in a way of like content. But sure. like, yo, am I going to get through this? Because it's like there's not enough time in the day. And I wasn't dorming. <laughs> I didn't have the money to dorm. So I was commuting on the train back and mm, forth from wow. Queens to the city. And, you know, and my parents, that God bless them, they were so dedicated to support me that we moved out of the one-bedroom apartment into a two-bedroom just for wow. me. Wow. Yeah, which was crazy because we grew up in a one-bedroom apartment my entire life. Yeah. And we moved a couple blocks away. My parents were like, oh, shit, this is going to be real. So so I got I was the only one with my own bedroom. Wow. Whereas, whereas my, my, my sister slept with my parents in his be, in their bedroom and my brother slept in the living room. And I got my own room just so that I can do it. That's so I was like crazy. I got a lot riding on my shoulders. Like I really That's gotta incredible. put in I gotta put in hundred and forty five thousand percent to make yeah. this work. Cause A the money, the scholarships, the A's, the fun. Like I was like, if I've messed this up. That's a huge L. That's a huge L of embarrassment. Yeah. And a huge L of like, I have no purpose in That's life. That's incredible <laughs> that the fam 
went out of their way yeah. to do that and support yeah. you in that. So it was uh, it was like pure motivation from different angles. And like I said, like I started to apply myself. So I felt like I was in over my head with liberals on an intense college level. And then these art classes that were really, really like challenging versus my high school art classes that were like kind of BS. For sure. Whereas this was like I had to make things. I had to do learn digital art on a computer, video. So yeah, I had a video class, a 2D art class, 2D digital class. It was a lot of classes, man. That's and it was crazy. the first year. It's called Foundation. How so, do you feel that Foundation helped your development as an artist? So like it, confidence-wise, yeah, craft-wise, just yeah. like... Because I feel like any artist at a certain point, whether you're technically crazy or whether it's just like you're putting in mad work, everybody has to find their, I guess, groove and essence and mm -hmm. just like craftsmanship within themselves. But what was that foundation element like for you and, and, and just like your confidence and just your, your eye towards where your creativity wanted to go? Well, confidence is an interesting word. I mean, <laughs> definitely broke my confidence because the classes were very challenging in terms of the things I... They were the 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 the, per, the the assignments that they were putting before us were things I had never tried, I've never done. So it's not like, oh yeah, got it. I'll do. It. It's just like, what's a what gotta, is that? Yeah, it's gotta <laughs> like, dive what in. is what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna use a what? You know wow. what I'm saying? Like you know, like you know. And they would they would literally give you the assignment. And the assignment would have the list of things I had to buy. Mm. So that was a lot of money out of my pocket too. So that was like I didn't have the money. I'm like, oh my god, I'm not gonna even buy this stuff. So luckily. The HEOP program would give you money mm. monthly. Not a lot, but at least enough to get by to like yep. buy most of the supplies, if not you know, all of it, depending on the, 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 the class. So, you know, the things were just like crazy. Like the 3D design, like they would make you come up with like, all right, come up with something. Like you're going to make something, for example, that you're going to make, for example, a cup, right? So... A cup, when you pick up a cup without water in it, it's light. But when you pick up a cup with water in it, it's heavy. So thinking in that concept, how do you make something like, how do you make a hammer three times the size, like blow it up, physically make a hammer out of cardboard or whatever, and make it feel like it's lightweight? But when you see it, you're like, oh, that's a hammer. That shit must weigh like 10 pounds because it's bigger than a normal hammer. Oh, and you pick shit. it up and you're like, oh, it's deceiving. So they had to mess with your mind like that. You had to like mm. challenge yourself. Like, So I made, what did I make? I made, um, I made, uh, damn, I'm trying to, I'm confused with what I made for that particular assignment. But I made something like, for example, one of the 3D projects I made was I made a pencil sharpener out of pencils. Mm. Oh shit! So Matt, remember the old cranky? Yeah, 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 yeah. Picture that in its proportion, but literally made out of pencils, like attached together. Just, so the whole thing was pure pencil stacked, but you know, literally just in the shape. And, everything, and then yeah. I made a crank out of pencils, That's and then crazy. I put a, you know, Fuck. so like that. Those are the things that they, you know. And I was just like, this is this is it. This is this is real art school. Like now I'm like, this is dope, you know. And everybody, you know, all my classmates, they were just coming up with this craziest stuff. Like one girl made a shoe out of laces. The entire shoe was laces. So the sole Fuck. was laces, like the whole thing. Like, and it was like, you know, just like being amazed with what I did, just like being like, wow, I, actually, I can't believe I actually pulled it off. And then seeing the person beside me like, yo. Oh. So that I was like, I'm in my element. Like, this is where I need to be. You know, and that was like that Damn. just that fueled me to get through the hardship <laughs> and the challenges of like these liberal classes on a college level. Whereas, you know, like 
for the first time, I really did math and like science and English. That's like, so really wild. put in because of that, because of these challenges within my art classes made me say, all right, I got to bang this out to keep doing this forever mm. to really progress with my art skills. You know, half the things didn't turn out well. Like some of my art pieces got pulled off the wall by a teacher and thrown on the floor. Like this is bullshit. You know, like it was hard, you know, it was yeah. like challenging and I appreciate every moment of it. I'm like, all right, all right, yeah, all right, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back and show you, you know, I'm gonna do this. Incredible. So uh, it was boot camp, man. It was, it was, it was like, it was like being like drilled by a drill sergeant. I like, feel Give you. Give me 50. Yeah. And you're like at 40 and they're like, sir, give me yes, more. Like, give me more. Sir, yes, sir. It was like that, but without the yelling. But it was like challenge, challenge, challenge left and right. Yeah. Man. And you rose up every time. Yeah, man. It was amazing, bro. It was, it was quite, a, quite a, an amazing time in my life, I got to say. Were there any times where you were about to break or a time where, when, I mean, when we get challenged like that, it definitely fuels us in a way because you're inspired, right? You're inspired. You find something that you're passionate about. And I think one of the toughest things of doing something you're passionate about is you still have to work hard and working hard can suck. Even yeah. if you love what you're doing, yeah. you, when you're actually putting, putting in the work, it's hard and hard work just sucks. It feels good at the end, but it sucks. Let's be real. Like, I don't care if you're a musician. I don't yeah. care if you're an artist. Like, you can love what you're doing, love the entire thing. But when you're in it, you're like, fuck, I, can't, I don't know if I can actually do this. Yeah. At the, it's like exercising. At the end, you're like, yeah, I did. I want to do it again. Especially at the levels. So in those moments where, you know, it's so interesting because bringing back to like your skateboard days where you, you locked into something, you saw, it, it, there's so many parallels, like you saw this, this possibility, you saw that board from that guy sitting there and you're like, oh, there it is. And you got it and you f went all in on it. You know, now in art school, you're seeing this, you're exposed to all these new things and you're going all in on it. But I want to talk about like those real kind of like intimate moments where you got to have that talk with yourself of like, fuck, I'm, I'm not that good enough. I'm not as good as that person next to me. Maybe I can't do this. Maybe I'm going to fail out. What do you do in those moments of, of keep going? Because I think everybody goes through a moment where they kind of quit for a second. You know, you could bounce back, but there are those moments where you're like, fuck, like I really don't know, you know, Take us through some of that, like those make or break decisions though, that, that where you're at the crossroads and you're like, man, I, I got to keep going. Yeah. It's interesting because when I was, when I did that summer program with Parsons, it was like, I want to say it was like about 25 to 30 of us. And clearly we all, we all had to go into foundation together. So we like, we became this like click, like, oh wow, we did the summer program together we spent the summer together. It was, it was just, we just all felt positive and good about it. And sure enough, man, after we, we got into the first semester, um, people started to drop out, man. They couldn't take it, yeah. you know? And, and it was, it was sad to see, you know, a couple of people bowed out right after summer. They were like, whoa, this is intense. <laughs> Yo, yeah, it was intense, you. you know, like, you know, it was just really intense. And, you know, every time someone bowed out, some of it, some some bowed out because of money. It, even with the aid, they're like, can't do it. And it was it was heartbreaking for me. I was like, man, I wish I could, I wish I could help you stay in. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I would, like I had, I felt like, man, if I if, if only I had the means to like 
change that uh, that mm-hmm. this 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 thing you're facing right now. Sure. So that made me realize how fortunate I was to mm-hmm. be there to not let it not give up. Even even though I did go through some struggles and you know there was nights that I just didn't think I was going to make the assignment mm-hmm. cuz you know juggling all those classes and you know I saw the contrast in other people that were in the foundation program the official foundation program that had come from another school and had taken their liberals. So all they had were art classes and they were crushing it. They were coming up with these ill pieces and I'm over here, shit's falling apart. I can barely <laughs> get it to work, you know, or like, you know, and or, or the drawings are off, you know, but they're just like, shit's gorgeous, you know, <laughs> because they don't have the liberals. Right. And I'm like, damn, like, fuck, you know, if only I were able to had gone and take my liberals elsewhere and then come here. No, I couldn't have. Sure. You know, I'm I'm at where I'm at. There's no way I could have done that. Means I would have had to, you know, I would have had to skip Parsons for for the first year or two. Mm-hmm. And who knows if I would ever got in? Mm-hmm. Who ever know if my man Bucky, who was the guy, Ducky yeah. is his name, Ducky. Who knows if Ducky would have still been working there? Had two years later, had Wild. I took, a, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yeah. so I got that out of my head quick. I'm like, nah, I can't even, I can't, you know, complain about that and be like, oh, I wish I'd had my liberals taken care of. So I, I, I toughed it out, man. Through the struggles, yeah. I toughed it out. There was many of nights where I just thought I was going to fail the class because I just couldn't get my project done yeah. in time or to the level that I needed it to be that I felt it should have been compared to people next to me in the class. You know? Sure. But the beauty, the beauty of art is that, you know, it's never nece- it's not necessarily like a test where it's like a grade. You know, you got to get a 65 to pass and you, there, there, there's, there's tangible ways to grade it. Oh, you got this question wrong. With art, it's more of the learning experience. It's mm. more about challenging yourself. And it's never about, it wasn't always about a pretty picture. It was about what you learn and how you progressed. Mm. So that super found, application based. Yeah, I found that as rewarding. It's like, okay, it wasn't great, but it's getting better and mm. it shows and I learned a technique and I improved that technique. Mm-hmm. So, so, so my professors were quick to point that out or, or point the opposite out. Like, yo, come on, man, you did this one. How could you not do, <laughs> yeah. you know, call me out. I'm like, you know, you gotta, you gotta put more time into this. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. More time, the time we don't have. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that was always a struggle. So, you know, by, by the motivation, the sheer motivation and the humble experience and understanding of being here is a, is a, it's just a gift. Mm-hmm. I made it through through foundation. That's beautiful. And unfortunately, only two, three of us from the summer program finished foundation again. Wow, That's crazy! Out of twenty some odd people. <sighs> yeah, man. That so really, that, so that that, really that was even like the next level of motivation. Like I gotta see this through. You know, the fact that people just pieced out. They just dropped out. I guess the perspective, you know, real, they just saw real it, for you know, sure. Yeah, and I remember that thing vividly. I remember finishing foundation year, first year, and looking at each other like, what, it's just us. Yeah. You know, whereas everyone else were the general students that applied and got in, you know, like the people that had their liberals taken care of, or they were just uber artists, you know, or they were older, yeah. you know, came from different walks of life or had money, you know, sure. and they were living in the city and dope-ass <laughs> apartments, throwing parties in between <laughs> classes, yeah. you know, and just living the life. And we're just like... Coming into class looking like we were just on crack, you know, because we hadn't slept for fucking five sure. days, you know. So it was just crazy. It was like three of us that Damn. finished, you know, the first year. And then we picked our majors, you know, and like we all went, you know, we went in. So it was it, it was it was eye opening in so many different levels of like how how much I had to see it through. 
you know and how much you discover about yourself yeah. coming out of the it endurance too. man yeah endurance is man that's such a just a huge part of anything like we we don't talk about actual just endurance yeah like just hanging on long enough and surviving long enough scraping and just along doing it enough yeah and hanging in there yeah, yeah. like it's not it's not like I'm winning throughout this whole thing. It's yeah. like I'm just existing until this thing ends and I came out the other side. For yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean and also you know? looking at skateboarding, like that's one of those sports that I feel like intrinsically builds that. Because to lock a trick down or to oh. do the three stair, the six stair, the twelve stair, like all that times. you have to literally bust your ass every time until yeah. you get it. That's the one sport where it's like if you're not down with the pain, <laughs> yeah. you're not you're not getting through it. Yep. And that helped you. You nailed it. Like that helped big. That helped me completely get through school because it was like, yo, this is nothing in terms of pain and not sleeping. Like it was just, it was just that I cared so much. Yeah, and I wanted my piece to be dope. And your I wanted, identity was now yeah, being placed yeah. within this. Yeah, and that was the stress, and that was like the struggle. Was like, you know, like man, this could have been better had I had more time, or man, this could have been better had I had, you know the right tools or whatever, or, you know. So there was always that stress level of, like, trying to up myself. It was, it's, it's such an interesting, you know, you brought up a good point. Like, with art, it's so much of you, you know, where we're talking right now about, like, the work, right? I'm doing this work, 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 work. But, like, to your point, it's not like you have to get a 65. You know, you're not graded on this stuff in terms of points, in terms of facts. You're actually just, like, it's so you, it's so personal. You know, this, this is something that comes from your imagination. That's a part of, of your expression here. Mm. That's like being judged on technicality, but also that that's like you're dealing with in, in any type of art, you're dealing with like, yo, if this is whack, then I'm kind of whack, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> felt like that sometimes <laughs> like, damn, like, you're personally attacking me here, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that, that's just another layer of this. Why, you know, through, through what you're saying in your expressions and, and how you powered through this, how it hits on so many layers um, of discovery, you know, from self to just straight up work and grind and grit. It, it sounds like it really tackled all those in one coming out of it. Did you have a direction that you were attracted to in terms of now really seeing yourself and as an artist and what it meant to be an artist and what you can do now with this after seeing all the the being exposed to all this whole new world going from like just drawing things to like oh shit like this is a universe now where do I fit into this yeah, I mean when I when I finished foundation obviously then I had to like it was like kind of like high school all over again I have to pick a major it was like almost picking a school again yeah so i had to pick uh there was obviously illustration there was architecture fashion and then the one that stood out to me was communication design interesting i have no clue so what that yeah is. so communication design was you know again trying to fit in like obviously like you know are you fitting into the illustration crew like the people that draw characters really well like you know stuff like that or are you going into the fashion sewing and blah 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 um communication kind of spoke to me because it was a broad kind of thing. It was about the point was to communicate something. It was about creating something and, and how to communicate that thing. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't necessarily about drawing a pretty picture. It was about if you're going to draw a picture, what's, 
the communication behind it. How are mm. you going to make that? How are you going to drive a, a, a message and deliver that message? How are you going to deliver it? So within within communication design, one of the classes was typography. Mm. So learning typefaces, like the intricacies of that, and that to me spoke to me because going back to the graphics yeah. with skateboarding. Uh, another class was advertising, concept design and advertising. Uh, another class was uh, motion graphics, you know, take your typography or whatever, your picture and animate it somehow and create a commercial or whatever. What was another class that we had? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Packaging design was mm. one class. So it was just a lot of different things. And yeah. that spoke to me then, like, I'm going to be an illustrator. Yeah. But confidence level wise, like, I don't think I'm a good illustrator and mm. I don't want to be judged on, oh, your character face is off. Because I'm like, it's kind of BS because, you know, Picasso does cubism. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I didn't sure. want to go into that world and like, you know, be like, oh, I have to draw in a certain way because I was so eclectic, you know. So I was like, you know, communication design really spoke to me. I was like, I really want to do this. And this is kind of bringing me back to my roots of graphics and skateboarding and product, mm. you know. So I just jumped into communication design. I picked that as the major. How'd you like it? It was pretty dope. I mean, it, again, it was challenging, just as challenging as foundation year because I had to really think now. I had to be very um, conceptual, yeah. concise. And it's much more than just the, the design, right? Yeah, it was, it was about the, the pure purpose behind it. Like, yeah. Did it help you hone in on like your self-expression and how you were really able to communicate that just mm. for yourself and also to the greater yeah. picture? Yeah. It was interesting because it was like... It was like psychology mm. with art, which was pretty dope. You know, it, Absolutely. It, 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 it's, it's <clears throat> definitely molded me or honed me into who I am now in terms of how I apply my stuff to, you know, sneaker design and everything. Yeah. And it's about coming up with a story and how do you communicate and execute and deliver that story. And that's, it was worth every penny. Mm. That into today was like, yeah, man, Parsons did it. It helped me. It's it's so interesting to think of just like those two concepts mm -hmm. of because you think of art and just in general people are like I'm just gonna create for me. I don't care what people think, man. Yeah. You know, like you do that with art. You You're do either that with gonna music. get it or you don't. But yeah, yeah, you know what? No one's gonna. I don't do this for anyone. It's just my expression. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like I've always felt art. You know, is meant to be shared. Like there's. Mm -hmm. There's like 50-50, right? Like one, you create it. That's half the battle. The second part is you share it. And who do you share it with? People. So yeah. like, it, and without the people, I mean, they kind of, that, that's the world. That's the, you know, passing back and forth. It's the ecosystem. Um, people would probably argue with that. No, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, sellout. <laughs> But um, it's just so interesting to actually uh, take a class and like dive deep into that, into the psychology of thinking about art and what it means to people, what it means to the community, how you look at things and how you apply that was in, in thinking of that, where was your mind kind of going in terms of ideas like not just uh, back to like skateboarding and product, but how did you feel you could like really apply that and take it from this class and build, wow, this is like a future for me now. Mm -hmm. Did you did you start feeling that? Yeah, and it's going back to being naive. Uh, you know, like the communication design, if you can put it in any 
bucket. It's like it's more on the graphic design side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if there's anything, then there's illustration and then there's graphics. Sure. Communication would be the one. There wasn't a graphics major. There was illustration and then there was communication design. And I, at first, I'm like, communication design, what is that? It's then people would be like, it's kind of like a graphic designer, but not really. It's more like, you know, conceptual thinking and like then coming up with, you know, a design and making sense out of it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sign me up. I'm into it. Let's do it. <laughs> So it's crazy because then I was thinking, okay, back to you know being naive. I'm like, all right, yeah, graphic designer. I'm starting to put like my 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 working hat on. How am I going to make a living from sure. this now? Like going back to what my aunt said, hey, you know, artists don't become wealthy and famous until after they're dead. I'm gonna I'm show you. So I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out in my head how do I how do I make money off this? How thing? am I going to show her? You know, like so I'm like. So, so I'm like trying to figure it out again. Like how does the graphic design world make, how, how do these graphic designers make money? Sure. They're like, oh, so maybe when there's a billboard put up, you know, they probably get paid uh, weekly for however long it's up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make it out. Like, like how do I make, you know, like maybe I got to get a bunch of billboards up and I'll get paid. If, Yo, I figured it out. You know, so like, you know, this is me foundation you're trying to go into communication design like i don't know like because they're not teaching you the business of it yet for sure just you know just like you got to go through these courses and you gotta get you know you gotta challenge yourself so here i am trying to like put dollars and cents behind and trying to figure out the the, the, crack the scheme so yeah so again i just got into it started learning more about it and one thing about me that's kind of crazy and weird and remarkable at the same time is that I have this visual sense, like I could see things, like I, I could depict things and like break down, like visually recognize things mm-hmm. from afar. For example, like my wife says I should be like paparazzi or something because I can recognize a celebrity. He could be like completely opposite of what he looks like on TV or in a movie and I would still recognize him, mm. you know, no from matter afar. what. So like, you know, like, you know how like Batman puts on the mask and no one can tell or, or Superman puts on the cape and like people like, uh, you know, they could never tell that they're the yeah. same person. I'd be like, I'd, I'd point him on a second. I'd be like, oh, that's Batman. <laughs> you know, walking by as Bruce Wayne, I'd be like, oh, you're fucking Batman. Like, you know, like I could, I could just see things and mm. I could just like right away recognize things. Like I could see like somebody from, from this angle from the back of their ear and I'll be like, oh, that's Jay. You know, like I just, wow. like my eyes like just communicate to my mind. Interesting. So that's why I wanted to go into communication design because I'm like, yeah, how do I take this thing and make it something? How do I communicate my, what I'm visually seeing or how, am I, how can I communicate what I'm visually producing? Mm. So for example, there was a typography class one and two um, for, each, for, the, for each year or whatever. And in typography, it's a trip because you could put two fonts together that look identical at a glance, but they're not identical. Just by a, just by a, a pica or a, or a millimeter, they're different. Mm. But to the naked eye, you don't notice that. But I picked up on that fast, so that was where I was like, "This is amazing!" Like, oh, wow. like I'm starting, <laughs> I'm starting to put my skill or talent to use, and mm. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm excited right now because I, I actually can figure this thing out. And so we had a test at the end of uh, the semester or whatever it was. And it was like for a, for a, for a typeface, there's four class, there's four line items that you have to, 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 to fill out mm. in a test. So one is the name of the font. What's the name of it? The other one, what's the classification? Is a serif or a sans serif, whether it's straight edge or curls out. 
the year was designed, who designed it. Mm. So that's four, right? I think it was four. So f- there was, I think it was like f- 50 fonts True. times four questions. And then, so you have to go in there and like fill in the blanks. Name, year, designer, classification. Yeah, check this out. <laughs> I got, I nearly got 100% on it. I didn't get 100%. Why? Because I was so excited going through this thing that I flipped the accurate answers on two different fonts. But they were accurate. They were together in accuracy, all four answers, but I flipped it somehow. And somehow I realized it the second I was handing it in. I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I, 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 I totally, in my mind, I visually saw it. I fucked that up. And he's like, wow. and he had already like grabbed it from me. And he's like, and he was like, no, 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 no. You can't go back to your desk. You can't go back to your desk. He's doing this. You can't go back to your desk now. Like, you can't just go back and, you know, because you might have saw something walking through. You're like trying you know? to like draw an arrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, he was like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, man. And like, I was like the first one to finish, maybe the second, wow. whatever. Because I was like, bing, bing, bing. I was knocking him out. To yeah. this day, it was yeah. Rockwell Foundry. 1928 <laughs> Sansa <laughs> designed by the fo- the Rockwell Foundry. I still remember this shit. Wild. Like That's I just insane. fucking switched it. That's insane. And he when he graded he was like Mr. Nixon Mr. Nix. He's like Charles Nix. He's like that was fucking incredible. Like <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. He was like no one's ever gotten that close like to getting that many right. Wow. Let alone and like you knew what let, you got wrong. Yeah, let alone like it you called you let you literally called it out. It wasn't like, oh, forgot that one or I didn't remember or <laughs> uh I just filled in the blanks for the shits and giggles. Like it was like locked in. Wow. Yeah, and he was just like, wow, he's like impressive, man. And I was like cuz I was in my element yeah, of, of 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 visually visually measuring things and recognizing for what it was and unbelievable. I thought I think I was like I don't know, maybe somebody was as close as I was, but like, and again, man, just those little things, like mm. just, I felt like, all right, I could do something with this. Like, this is real. Like, you know, typographers were very like, you know, bougie people, but like on an artsy level, like really cool. Most like typographers were like, just classy. They were like classy people. So I was like, yeah, you know, I could be down with this classy <laughs> yeah, click. Right. I could be, yeah, exactly. I could be, you know, you know, and it was like, it was, it was like the, like the oh, the world of typography was who knew that the world of typography was art wow. you know I never saw it that way I appreciated the TV guide yeah. <laughs> for like sure bring it the back le- to the TV yeah. you know, the but I, I just yeah I never like looked at it like this is a part of art this is a sure. designer that designed this TV guide someone designed I never looked at it that way so you know just my I just Throughout my 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 three years in the communication design degree department, I was it was it was a constant flashback of my past, like putting everything together. Unbelievable! Like, wow, TV guy was done this way. Billboards, I get it now. <laughs> you know, like this is done this way. Motion graphics and like I just saw like fifteen jobs, oppor- you know, opportunities. I was sure. like, this is a job. That's a job. But like that's crazy. And I was like, to, in my mind, to my aunt, I was like, I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you. You know what I'm saying? There's money to be made here. Like, you know, none of this shit makes itself, you know, like. For real. So, yeah, communication design really excited me. And, you know, um, all the classes were just really challenging. And they were, now it was like putting things into perspective, Mm. these classes. Whereas foundation was just art, you know, just. 
That's incredible that college literally gave you that confidence and just gave you that momentum because so many kids go through college and are still like, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I'm saying? Or still in that, well, my mom says do this, so I got to go do this. Or the money should be good here, so let me just go figure this shit out. But you literally were in a program where everything was coming back and making sense and meaning something. Yeah, crazy. And then showing you the possibilities all in the same time. And then you were literally grasping all these nuances and understanding how to put them in play. And then seeing different opportunities as you were going through this program, it wasn't like, what the fuck am I getting into? It's like, how am I going to apply myself here? Where am I going to find what I like the most here? You, that, that momentum is something that's very rare. Yeah. And also just being in college and having that just immersion of craft is something extremely rare as well. A lot of kids just go to college and be like, well, shit, you know, we just party in. But for you, it sounded like that experience was really honing in Mm -hmm. on defining not only just your identity, but also just your creative understanding and your ability to apply what you were learning to really go out into the community and start really putting your stamp on things. Yeah, man, that was that was definitely what carried me through. Because again, there was there was many naive moments that I didn't understand the industry that I would be getting into. Sure, it was still this untouchable, intangible universe. But those little moments kept carrying me through to like see it through. Because I'm like, yo, this is making sense. There's an opportunity here, you know. And and going back to your point that yeah, I didn't want to go to college just to go to college. To just be there. Like, I was like, I want no business in that. I want no part of that. It's going to cost money too? Hell no. Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with that. So that's why with Parsons, it was like, it was for the first time that I I felt justification in what I was, Mm -hmm. this uncharted territory that I was going into. Even though I didn't have a grasp of it, understood it 100%, I just felt like, yo, there's justification here for this. Like, this is going to pan out to something. Unbelievable. It's so rare too to have like, feel that natural about what you're doing and finding the thing you're actually good at. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you finding typography and feeling so connected to something is such a rare thing. Very rare. Especially in college. Like you're still figuring things. You come out of college, you're like, all right, man, I'm going to work at the bank. (laughs) Yeah, where where am I going? Yeah, and nothing's wrong with that. But I'm just saying to to find your affinity in something like that so Mm. passionately and start to build your real career from that step-by-step step is, is just rare. It's, it's a, a unique opportunity. Yeah, man, I'm fortunate and thankful to this day about for that whole experience, man. Yeah. Could have went so many different ways. For sure. Yeah. Getting out of college, well, how many more years do you have? What was that? How many more years of college did you have from that point? It was a four-year. It, so four it, it was a bachelor's, yeah. So four, years, you, four years and a half because of the summer program. Or... <laughs> So as you're going through now kind of like in this typography lane and this communications lane, did you start to venture out at all in terms of like, okay, where am I going to go? Like, I know you want to, there's the, the font designing or not font designing, but like mm-hmm. you're, you're noticing things. You're kind of tapped into this new matrix of like, that's a job. That's a job. Times New Roman. I got you. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, font type Arial. Thin, got you. (laughs) You're tapping into that matrix world, right? Were you starting to head into a certain direction that in terms of like, 
a career path or like a real like focus on that, whether it be fashion, whether it be like straight up design, whether it be, you know, those billboards. Were you attracted to one of those things in, in either way? It, for a while, it was it, I, I was back to that world of like didn't know what I was going to do exactly because mm. it, it was just so much. Sure. And because it was just a, it was like a teaser of everything. I did under I still didn't understand the the real world aspect of it, the real career move. Like you know, how do I get a job in typography? Exactly. Ooh, who do I work for? You know what I'm saying? So all those things weren't clear. So I missed out on just because I didn't have money and I had to really apply myself. I got a job at the school, mm-hmm. working in the in the foundation office. Actually, you know, just answering the phone calls, you know, whatever, whatever, just to make a little bit of money. Hey, to you be, sure you want to do this? Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> hey, hey you, you sure? You gotta get your ass. He's for real, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's gonna be crazy. You know, only three people made it out of twenty, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't want to be number four. Like. <laughs> Seriously. So again, I just didn't. I I, I didn't venture into internships because I just didn't. I was just so immersed in the work and trying to like make sure I, sure. I made it through and I, I got the grades and I, and I, I, uh, you know, excelled that I, I didn't, I didn't have the, I want to say I didn't have the courage or the, the ambition to like venture out of the school to get like an internship mm. in a real company with fear of getting distracted or getting pulled too far and spread mm. too thin and not got it. being like, whoa, 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 I got to graduate like that. It was like very important for me to finish officially finish you know, and I find myself in a situation like high school. I didn't pass this test, but I should graduate. Any, you know, I wanted to officially get it done. Mm. So I didn't end up getting an internship until like the very, very last year. Uh, I got like one or two, and they were super short, mm-hmm. like in and out. And whereas other people did, like those guys that had like liberals knocked out of the way, they were able to get an internship with the companies and get their feet wet and understand the the industry. And so crazy enough, when it came down to graduation, uh, the economy, I hit the fan. It was um, 2001. It was May of 2001 we were graduating. I remember the chairman of the communication design department, we had like a little pre-graduation gathering at the school, just to yeah. like get together and kind of like, hey, you know, we did it, whatever. <laughs> you know, you guys, congratulations. So he made a speech and... You know, he just gave us a heads up. He goes, look, things are really bad out there. Economy's bad. Mm. Um, jobs are very hard to come by. Mm. Um, the majority of you are not going to find a job right out the gate. Damn. You know, and, and I, I say this because I don't want you to walk out of here discouraged thinking you're not getting a job because you're not good enough mm. or ready for a job. Mm. It's just period. They're not going to be, they're just, employment is just on the on the low. You know, there's just not, or unemployment's on the rise and, you know, so you work, you have a lot working against yourselves. So those of you that will have jobs will be the ones that had an internship that turned into a job. Oh, wow. That, you know, those will be the bulk of you that are, are going to end up with jobs at a, at a graduation. So just, just prep this like, hey, man, keep your heads up, write it out. Mm. You guys are extremely talented. Just, just gave us that pep talk like, you know, the coach. Mm. And so sure enough, we graduated and it, he was right. And that was May of 2001. So then fast forward September 11th. Wow. You know, so it just 
it made oh, shit even when you worse. Two thousand one, I completely yeah. forgot. Like <laughs> New York, yeah. Whoa. So it just made things even worse, you know, to wow. find a job. So we were like, you know, everybody that I graduated with were like odd jobs or whatever, and. I just, you know, when back to your earlier question, like, what did you go into, whatever, for work? Like, I know, I, I it, while I was in, right before I graduated, I started doing, like, photo retouching. With, you know, I got really into Photoshop and Illustrator, the programs, you know, learned them in school. Mm. So I was doing, I was doing club flyers for, for parties. I was promoting club flyers and stuff. So, like, the promoter would send me the info here. Here's an email with the info. Here's what I need you on the flyer. Come up with some crazy design. And that's what I would do. Does make a little bit of money here and there and that, you know? Parties were always happening. Yeah. So had, had I was tapped in with a couple promoters, so they were constantly feeding me work. And a lot of that would have to involve photo retouching because I would grab an image from here and mess around with it and change it, change the color and whatever, whatever. And then I started getting jobs of actually photo retouching, like correcting photos or, you know, bringing photos back to life, that are restoring photos that are old and damaged, making a little bit of money here and there. And I had applied to Apple while I was my last year in, high, in, in Parsons because they, want, they, were, they used to do like campus reps. I don't mm. know, like in college, they would have a campus rep represent a company, like a technology company. So I guess Apple was toying around with the idea of having a campus rep. And what was Parsons. Apple doing in 2001? Was that like the, I, the first iPod? No. Not uh, even, no, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, no, not even, yeah. Mm-mm. What yeah. was it? What was Apple doing? Yeah, it was just the iMac. Yeah. It was just the, oh, iMac. Just the iMac. Yeah. Yeah. So I applied for that and never heard anything. So but it, whatever. It was I was graduating anyway. I just threw it in there for shits and giggles. Hey, you never know. Hey, maybe a job <laughs> will come out of it. You never know. So after September eleventh, um, I was again doing photo retouching, freelance jobs here and there, club flyers, logos, whatever I can get my hands on. And Apple hits me up and they're like, Hey, we have your application on file and you know, we see you live in New York and you know, we we're opening a store in Soho, you know, wondering if you'd be interested in that. And I was like, hell yeah. So I was like, all right, when's the interview? And they're like such and such day. And I'm like, shit, I'm supposed to go to my cousin's wedding in California. Mm. First time ever in California. And I'm like, damn, I'm out of a job doing freelance. I don't know when my next paycheck's coming. I already paid for this flight. I was like, what? So I was like, I got to go to this interview. So I forfeited the ticket and I bought another ticket to leave like slightly after. And I went to the interview and then went to my cousin's wedding, whatever, whatever. I kept talking about it, like, you know, putting... Just like Juju with the end. Yeah, yeah, like, like, you know... It's crazy because like I'm over here hyped about a retail job working at a store and everybody around me is like, what? <laughs> like you just graduated from Parsons School this thing and go to a retail store? And I was like, this will make sense. You know, like mm. this is, this is, I'm going to go network there. I'm going to use this as an advantage. So they're like, what? What's this guy talking about? Yeah. Like, whatever. They're just like, this sucks. Like, you know, like, like, you know. The, the, the terrible ending to this guy's beautiful like potential future like going on the train you know they're just seeing it as like God, damn this, this is, is what art school does you know they're like damn so my parents my friends they were like my family they're like so they're like what like this is crazy out of college like you know you're hyped about getting a job yeah. at a retail store like you did that didn't you do that like 10 years ago like, aren't you over that so I went to the wedding came back 
And then sure enough, man, I got the call. They offered me a part-time position. I was like, I'll take it. You Dumb. know, I hit it off with them. I'll take out there like, you know what? It is what it is, you know. I jumped in there. I got trained because we got hired months before the store opened. The store was being constructed still. Like, it was being renovated. So we got trained off-site somewhere. And it was just, just again, this... I felt at home because everybody was from a different walk of life. Everyone came from different states, whatever. It was just like this melting pot of different people, jonesing and bugging out and getting trained. And I was like, ah, this is dope, you know? And I just knew that this was going to be the place to be. Like it was going to be a hot, it was going to be dope. It was going to be a lot of energy here. Just with the people I'd be working with Mm -hmm. alone. Sure enough, the store opened. It was just like crazy. It was just pandemonium. It was like, you know, Jobs walked in. I saw Jobs a few times while we were sitting at the store. Really? And I'm like, you know, like, you know, like, yo, this is like, I'm, I'm, Crazy. I'm at the mecca. This is, That's this is gonna nuts. be the place yeah. to be. You know, this is gonna be the, this is gonna be the spot. <clears throat> they told us they're like, you know, they trained us with the mentality of how to treat celebrities and like, you know, treat them respectfully. Don't like, you know, like. So we knew we were up. We were like, yo, this is gonna be like a real situation where That's they're gonna be the talk of the town. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm in the place to be. I'm definitely in the right place. You know, I, there was no depression falling in. Like, oh, man, I'm working at a retail store. I'm like, because I had understood the power of networking as a skateboarder. Sure. About meeting people and sure. opening doors. That'll open doors for you down the line. Like my man Ducky did at Parsons and many other things that happened prior to that in my life. So sure enough, the store opened. I remember the store manager was like, or oh, the GM. They were like, we, they didn't even know if they were going to be able to pay the first month's rent because it was they they invest so much money into the store. Yeah, jobs went crazy with it. Yeah. It was the first, you know, glass stairs. It was the first template of what Apple is today. Before the stores are small, you know, they were nothing like this. This was like a grand store. It's this a destination. Like, yeah, this was crazy. You know, we set records like million dollars day. Sold a million dollars in one day. Records of people coming in through the doors. Like I was meeting celebrities left and right and just producers and this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is where I want to be. You know, I was like, patience is a virtue. Eventually, I'm going to catch the right fish Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be out of here. Fast forward like four years later, five years later, Steve, sneaker Steve Patino walks through the door. Stop playing. Yeah. And again... At that point, I'm in a position called uh, the business, the lead business consultant. So I'm dedicated to working with small, medium, large businesses. Mm. I'm there to handhold them and walk them through getting them the right gear and introducing them to the right people. A server engineer, a graphic designer, a web designer, a coder. Like just get them connected with the right people before they even buy anything. Sure. I was there to consult them. So Steve walks in and I had known Steve from the hood. <laughs> From back in the day, he was one of the promoters that I was designing club flyers wow. for. You know, a couple years ago, because this, wow. this was now yeah. three, four yeah. years into sure, Apple. Sure, sure. This was like four, almost four years post graduation, yeah. almost. That's crazy. So Steve walks in, and he works with DC Shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. I'm a skateboarder, I knew everything about skateboarding. He was the dude on the selling sneakers in a sneaker store doing parties. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He was, the, he was the business hustler yeah. selling shit. Here I am, the dude selling shit, doing business deals, and he's the dude working for a skate brand. How our, how our lives have just completely, completely crossed, yeah. You know? So he walks in, he sees an associate on the floor. He's like, hey, uh, hey man, I want to buy equipment for my showroom. Oh, you want to talk to homie? And he's like, uh, okay, yeah, I want to talk to homie. And he's like, can it, can it can only be the one homie? So I come out of my office, and he's like, yo, what's up? And like... That Doug walk out the office? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Home, home has arrived. You know? So, you know, it was crazy. Like, like I said, I had met so many people through those doors with opportunities galore. But when Steve walked in, it was just like this emotional connection of nostalgic situations and like, again, our lives crossing paths and stuff. And we put it together right away. And he's like, yo, you know more about DC than I do. Like, how is this? How are our lives where it is? This is crazy, right? We're like, yo, this is crazy. So he, he brings me up to speed with what he's doing with DC. I'm like, that's incredible. Whatever, whatever. And then after a couple of visits and communicating, he's like, yo, we're going to open a store down the street. I was like, oh, that's amazing. So I put in my design hat, my thinking hat. And I said to him, I was like, how are you going to market this thing? Mm. He's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, whatever. Like the rigor, like oh, I have some ads and stuff, you know, whatever, whatever. And I was like, yo, how about this, man? Instead of you spending 100K on a billboard down the street on House Street, why don't we do a collab? Why don't we collaborate and make a shoe for the Apple Store employees? I was like, you know how many employees are in this building for this one store? 317. Oh, He's like, wow. he goes, he goes. Yeah, I believe you. Because the store is fucking banged. It's jam-packed and busy. Mad people working there. So he's like, okay, okay. And that's just me. Just me doing my thing. Yeah. Like, this, this just came to you? Like, yeah, you're just like, like, I don't know where. Like, boop, 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 boop. like, yo, what do you think of this idea? It's a communication design in, yeah, in yeah, effect just, right here. Yeah, this is me like not even like not yeah. even overthinking it. Like four seconds into a conversation. My fish. Here's where I I put all the things I've learned, <laughs> yeah. and I you know, but I was always throwing ideas for out because sure. cause for the job, like I always had to like com- connect people. Sure, you know, f- you know, it wasn't about swiping the card. Bye, peace. See you later. Yeah, I would, you know, I had to lease computers. It was business. It was like, how do I set this person and their company up to succeed mm. versus like you, you do what you want with this Super stuff. Just you know, transactional. Like, yeah. yeah, it, it exactly. was like always thinking of like how to take their <clears throat> their their ambition or their ideas to the next level and providing the right tools or people. But so whatever, I was always full of those type of things, but this was the first time where it was like, there was a a real genuine connection. Close to home. Yeah. You know, and a different type of investment in this one. And it's like, so I was just like, I didn't even overthink it. It's just like, yo, what do you think of that? And he's just like, oh shit. Okay. That's, whoa, that's that's an idea. So boom, he went about his way. I guess he went back to Cali, told his boss, like his boss, his VP and whatever, and the marketing people. And the next thing you know, like my name started buzzing up in DC. My name. So every time people would come to town, the exec team, I'd end up connecting with them at the store or either go to dinner with them and like conversation started to flow and like they're like, yo, yo, this dude is like, yeah, he's a skateboarder and he knows this and he's into lifestyle and Yo, this is dope. So that they like, let's do this thing. Let's mm. do this collab. So we did it, and it was amazing. It was we so they gave it. everyone fucking a pair of shoes. Yeah, that's, that's insane. crazy. Yeah, we made a special shoe. So I, I gave them the, the 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 tidbits, creative direction, and they just ran with it. Wow. And they did their thing, and they one upped it with the packaging, and you know, it just took it to another level. That's that's a cr- incredible idea. Yeah, yeah. just because so, the uh, the amount of like traffic that's coming in there, and this being associated with this really cool brand that in this huge store that's killing it. Yeah, man, that's that's, yeah, that's insane. That was the point. I was like, yeah, yo, instead of doing a billboard, man, to lace these people up. Yeah, and everyone's gonna be like, what is that? What if the conversation is next level from that point. Then 
you know, billboard. You know what I mean? And those those billboards were ridiculous super price. Expensive, so yeah. I was like, it's not going to cost you half that to just lace these people up. You That's know? amazing, dude. Yeah, so they, they ran with it and it was a success, man. I mean, the buzz around town, like people were, you know, people were constantly applying to get jobs there. But it came to the point that people were applying and saying, if I get the job, to get a pair of shoes. So you know what I mean? Like, and it, it, so it got to wild. the point that the HR people were like, no shoes. And it was annoying. The, the question became an oh, annoyance. Wow. They were like, I don't want to hear that again. So, yeah, man, it was incredible. And fast forward, I mean, they threw, they, 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 and they were joking around. They threw it at me. You should come work for us. And I was like, okay. And they were like, Wait, what is this? What is this serious? I'm like, no, yeah. And they're like, we were kidding. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, damn, my bad. Oh. I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, you were like serious and like, oh, I guess not. Like, they're like, hey, man, that was a great idea. You should come work for us sometime. You're like, yeah, I'm down. Let's go. No, I mean, well, not right now. Yeah, and, then, and I was yeah. like, okay, and I was like, and then they were like, wait, you're serious? And I'm like, wait, you're serious? And they're like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, we were just joking. We thought you'd be like, I would never leave Apple for you guys. That's what they thought I would sure, say. And sure. I was like, no, I'll, I'll leave Apple. And they're like, oh, shit. Okay. And it was like, they went back to Cali and they're like, we got to hire this guy. Like, That's you know, like, so wild. Wow. like it, 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 it started as a joke yeah, saying yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, come work for us. And they'll be like, yeah, yeah no, thank you. It, yeah. I'm at Apple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're here. Exactly. I was like, you're the fish. Let's get out of here. Like, yeah. let's go. Wow. Reel me in. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they were like, "Holy shit!" So what was amazing was that. Um, just to throw, just a name drop here. You guys know John Bashemi, absolutely. Yeah. So John worked at DC. Legend. He worked at DC with Steve. Similar to my background, New Yorker, whatever. He, you know, skated too, but he was also a lifestyle guy. Mm-hmm. So he was doing the lifestyle stuff at DC Shoes, all the collaborations and the lifestyle stuff. So he pieced out. He left to go do this other thing to work for another brand. So that left an open position. So that was right around the time where the joke came out. Like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever. And so finally when we all realized it was like, yo, this is, we could do this. uh, The lifestyle position became open because John left. And then the skate product line manager position came open. Mm. So there was two opportunities there. So I was like, (laughs) how, how, you can't you can't make this up. You just talk about timing. You know what I'm saying? Unreal. Timing is everything. Yeah. So they really took an interest in me, and they were like, and a liking to me that they put they they they, they made it kind of hard and easy for me. Whereas they were like, "Yo, we got two positions. Take a look at both of them and pick." And I was wow. like, "Damn, this is amazing!" Like, it's not like I'm like applying for the job. Like, Which do you want? Yo. And they were like, "But you can't tell anybody because legally we got to put it up on Monster.com or whatever and let it." sit for a minute to really interview people and then we make a decision but pick one and I was like oh shit alright so I read the job descriptions and I'm like lifestyle obviously I I skateboarded but today I'm a fashion guy styling you know artist you know this is where I would excel so I picked it and even then I wasn't like confident that I'd get it because it's like you know they gave me the whole legal thing we have to wait a while and I'm yeah. like what if they change their mind what if they're like you know uh, what were we thinking you know <laughs> yeah. so there was like a doubt for a minute there I'm like damn I, like you know like because I'm here for them from for a while because this was like around late September October so they said hey we have to sit on this for a little bit legally and then we'll hit you back when, when everything's in the clear and I was like all right bet 
so months a month went by now we're like in november going into holidays and i'm like mm-hmm. oh shit fuck you know what i'm saying like, what's going on you know <laughs> yeah, for like, real do i really got this thing hey, or what? Yo, i'm over here you know what i'm saying so then like but you know like i'm getting the good vibes like you know i got you know the the, the vp of product came uh the director of product came and she flew out and interviewed me we hit it off so everything was positive everything was good but it's corporate should mm-hmm. takes a while so then finally like i hear right back after the new year they hit me with the offer and like february 1st i'm in i'm in san diego in the office working wild from the air boom and i'm like you know this is again mama <laughs> It's just crazy, it's, bro. It's crazy. See, I love these moments how that retail job, that part-time retail opportunity literally was so much less about Apple and was just a step to get you here. And this is like, as cliche as this stuff sounds, you just literally don't know how these dots connect. And that's no. like the beauty of the journey. Four years in. To DC, them thinking like, oh no, you have a prominent career path here at Apple. Why would you even think about coming here? And for you to come full circle and be like, yo, like I come from this world. This is my dream job. This is what I want to do. This is what I, what I, like from a retail, yeah. like I'm just going to take this position. It, there's so much power in those little decisions because you easily could have just been like, no, I don't want to be distracted or no, I'm not going to, I'm too good to take a retail job. I don't know anything about this. Like there's so many things that you could have like hung your hat on of, I'm just an artist. So I'm going to continue doing only Mm. art and, but maximizing all the skills you've just learned, applying them in these different ways, putting yourselves in different, putting yourself in different opportunities that actually lead to the real shit yeah. that you're trying to do. Aside from the fact it's like in LA or not LA, San Diego, California, where I wanted to be, where you wanted to be since you were, you know, a young skater. That's, that's, that's an incredible arc, man. Like for real, what was, how, how'd you feel like coming out to LA and, and kind of seeing this being along this path and getting to this point of I'm really here. Like, this is real. I work for a huge skateboard company, a legendary skateboard company with people that I'm, I'm, fan, I'm a fan of. Mm. Literally that, just that. And friends with, we all, that, you know, Steve and just being a part of something that's actually meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. And traveling across the country to do that, like, where were you as a person at that at that time? I, at that time, I was crazy, like, in like cloud nine, man. It was just it was surreal because of the fact that like I'm a patient person, so like my lady was like, "Did you hear back yet? Did you hear back?" I'm like, "Yo, calm down, like it'll happen, like it'll, you know, I'll get an answer eventually. I'm not gonna sit here driving myself nuts because sure. I haven't heard back." But man, when I did hear back, I drove myself nuts in the opposite direction, which is like pure joy. Like, oh this is crazy. I'm out. I'm going to do this. Change my, my whole surroundings. And the reality is, is that it was quite obvious to me. I'm going to be in a building with people I've known almost my entire life. Sure. Of, at least known of. Yeah. You know, Danny Way, Colin McKay, <laughs> Rob Deerdeck. Like, you know, like, like the reality is I'm going to see these people 
on a daily, weekly basis. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, wow. Talk about timing and, again, the power of those micro decisions. Mm-hmm. You know that, you know, when I got the job at Apple, I never once felt like, man, what a L. Mm. I never felt like, man, look where I ended up. Mm. I always felt like, again, because of the power of networking, I drive off of energy. I can't be in this mm. quiet place. I just, I don't feel right. I'm like, I got to get back to the energy. I got I to gotta be around people, you know, and I knew that Apple was going to provide that for me. I knew that Apple was going to allow me to meet all types of people, mm. which is what I, I thrive off of. Yeah. And there was not a there was not a day working at Apple where it was dull. I mean, yeah, there was tiring days, long days, like you know, dealing with hundreds of customers within an hour, sure. literally. But aside from that, it was always like, you know, like every week looking back, wow, I met this person, I met that person, I met this person that's got five cribs across <laughs> the country, and he's always showing me the new one, and it's like <laughs> just just weird shit, or, or like a dude that looks like he's homeless, but he's got millions, and the you know like different levels of people and that was exciting that For was sure. incredible and then to get this opportunity with dc yeah. move to the west coast and then walk around or not walk around but drive around and see all these skate spots they're like i've never been to physically but i've been there and mm. i've seen it in the skateboarding video and i recognize it. and to get this deja vu like like this is the spot you know what i'm saying wow. like going throughout san diego and constantly like not realizing that I had driven past it a couple times before I realized it, you know, because I'm on the road, I'm driving. And then it goes back to my whole thing about visually recognizing things. And every time I would take five seconds to look at where I'm at, I would recognize something. Unreal. You know, even if it had been changed through time with construction, I would still recognize it. Mm -hmm. That's the corner by one little piece of thing, like an indicator, whether it's a sign or whether it's like a, Chip in the wall, I would recognize it as a spot. So I spent the first year <clears throat> going through that, like, yo, yo, yo unreal, yo, yo, like. Well, it's like I, I feel it's so interesting to your point about like being being at Apple in this environment, the environment that when you spoke of as a kid, you like just being a part of the these big communities, this this traffic, a lot of stuff going on. It was com- it was like your comfort area, right? But when we, it's like, we often think about career paths, like, how did you land that job, that dream job? Tell me exactly what you did. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, it's so less about your actual, like, career decisions and so much more about your personal decisions mm. and listening to, like, what's really coming natural to you. Like, what, how do you really fit in? It's so less about working for Apple and so much more about working in that environment. Mm-hmm. It that spoke to you that like, I think we, we can lose that aspect easily just in, oh, yeah. in the rat race and shooting for your career and trying to pay bills and all these things that we think are like the right moves and get lost in the moves and you get lost in yourself and listening to those things that are actually the ones that will be guiding you. It's so much less about like the, the like external for sure, you know? And what's so cool about these like little decisions that you're making is constantly listening to yourself. That's why I was so fascinated in your interest in typography and like envious to, uh, to hear that, like you found something that's so like you, you know, Mm. 
and just listening to your to that to your your gut and that's the, big and the person you are at the core letting that guide you and i feel it's just like such an interesting thing to point out because that's ultimately what's like leading you to your dream opportunities. It may not look like how you think it should look. It may not be like, I'm going to go to art school. Then I'm going to come up with the dopest fucking graphics, get hired by this lifestyle brand, yeah. like check it and out. And it wasn't like, I need this job because this is going to lead me to no. be an artist here. And like, no, yeah. not at all. And it has so little to do with like art and mm. in, in, in the drawing right. and these yeah. fundamental things and so much more to continuing to follow like what really lights you up and where you really thrive as a person. That's what's really dope to me to hear. That's intuition in bloom, bro. <laughs> For real. Yeah, man. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, I think a part of it is, like I said, I, I recognized early on that your your network is your net worth. You learn yeah. from others and you have to be around others to to to, to progress and evolve. Uh, and you especially need to be around others that are positive or or doing things that you respect to because you know you're, you're not the first nor the last to blaze that trail for sure and if you haven't blazed that trail find someone that has mm. and and befriend them or help them or whatever it is you know to get there for you know for a perfect example is i went to parsons never once while i was in parsons would i say yes i'm gonna go to parsons so that i could become a footwear designer no <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, For sure. I was in Parsons trying to figure out how does how to billboards, how do people make money off a of billboard? <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, how does that work? Like, oh, so if you build, if you design a billboard and it's on a particular road, you get X amount of dollars <laughs> for, for designing that billboard. Like, I just didn't lease know. royalties, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Right. You know, like I, I didn't know how shit worked, and you know, I was busy trying to make it up to try to find and make sense out of it. At that time, like the internet was early on, so. You know, I'm gonna date myself, but it was like it wasn't even Google. It was like it, it Netscape was called, Navigator. It was Netscape Navigator. It was Alta Vista, and it was Alta Vista. Bam! Take it back, man. So it, not everything was on there, bro. <laughs> You'd be yeah, like, type of shit, but like, no, comprendo. Like, I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't even know what that. You know, you were you were getting all types of like, nothing, no information. So you know, you couldn't really type. It was like you couldn't type. A question in a sentence it had to be just a word it just you know, there were certain ways to type Fucking things to wild, get a result man. you couldn't just type like now you know you had to like there was it was very limited on the typing that you could enter into these search engines to get anything back right. it was like 99 percent you get nothing back because <laughs> you didn't type it short enough or in a particular format a broken sentence to get something out of it so Unreal. yeah could never get an understanding of the industry it was even though I was in an art school of like prestigious like perspective, it was never like you didn't have the answers in front of you. Sure. You know, it was almost like this, you know, outside cult or like thing that to get in to know mm-hmm. how this industry works. Yeah. That's crazy. What was working at uh, in that environment of DC and, and being in California and just take us through like, you know, this this next chapter of yours that you know, getting back to kind of like your core, everything, like the culmination of everything mm. coming together at this point and pushing you now into this, this kind of new world of like fashion and creativity and lifestyle that is just so, so natural to you. Yeah. I remember when I started, I literally from the airport, went straight to the office, got settled in, got a computer and 
as overwhelming as it felt at the beginning because I just didn't know anything about footwear, it was still exciting because of my connection to the culture, you know, growing up in it that I was just like, ideas were just running through my head like right away. Like, like I got this it, new design. So yo, go grab the shoe goo. Yeah. And <laughs> grab a little ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, trust me on this one. It's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, you guys use what tools to design a shoe? Nah, I use shoe goo. You yeah. Put that to the side. Hey, let, me, let me get busy. The ice pack or what? You know, so, you know, the benefit of, of my past was I knew, I knew the applications. I knew Photoshop. I knew Illustrator. So that helped me get in quick and like just hit the ground running. And the rest really became more about learning procedures and protocol and like sure. setting things up. And, you know, that took some time, but, you know, everybody around me was very, very helpful. And then the, the rest just came down to like creativity and bringing, fusing skate culture and fashion culture together. And that was so much fun, mm. you know, challenging and fun at the same time. And I just, you know, with DC, with the, even within the first five, six months, there was a lot of travel. So I got to see the world. I got to go see many different countries and cities. So the first year alone was like, wow. It was so worth the past four or five years at Apple to get to this point. You yeah. know, I felt like I felt like I did so much in that first year that it felt like <coughs> that was the previous four years with the travel and the wow. work it looked like i made up for no lost time with the career it was like the foundation again yeah it was like bang 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 no no non-stop and again like i had traveled the world before like i went to paris to visit their parsons campus there so i'd been away you know dominican republic whatever all up and down the east corridor like to florida but man with dc it was like real culture like mm. real like getting to see other people's culture in their own cities and countries from france to korea to hong kong to i'm just trying to think of the first year to germany i mean dude it was banging it out and it was just because the, the position was global mm. so i had to have a global perspective on the things that i was doing so that i can translate that and communicate it mm-hmm. <coughs> coming back to my communication design you know degree it was how to create a collection and and communicate that to the globe to buy it to buy into it incredible you know so it was taking all stuff like ideas from skate and fusing it together it was, it was amazing man so yeah like i just picked up where bashemi left off and i just went at it man that's incredible what that do to just your mind in terms of personal possibility and how you not only would apply it to yourself but also just to your career path moving forward like what what did that first year really do for you just in terms of like mentally and and experientially it it helped me not be as as bad of a critic of my own critic like criticize myself like oh i'm not a good illustrator i'm not a good this it was like I realized that the the experience through my life, the culmination of everything, the 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 combination of everything set me up for this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't about like I had to be a sneaker designer to become a sneaker designer. No, it's like I could just take my 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 experience and perspective of life and apply it to sneakers now. So it opened up this new way of thinking for me to say, okay, you don't you don't uh, what I'm trying to say is 
you don't you're not an expert because you were you were an expert the second you tried something mm. you have to fail and try to become an expert you have to go through the trials of life to become an expert mm. whereas prior to that it was like to have talent you just have to be talented mm. no you develop talent so that was i think the first point in my life that i was like wow like i can now apply everything that i've learned to this medium to excel and become a, eventually become an expert at it you know what i'm saying because i walked into the building like i don't know shit about making sneakers right. it's a little kind of you know a little scary at first you're like I hope I can make this happen. I just moved all the way. <laughs> they just moved me cross country. They paid for me to move out here. They gave me a budget to move my stuff. Like they paid me. They gave me money. Yeah, you know? You've been here before, though. Like when your your parents moved into that second yeah, bedroom. Like, exactly. Like you you've been at the crossroads. Yeah. You, you know that that like hey, are we gonna really do this or not? You Understood know? the level of opportunity presented. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because it's crazy. Like you know, prior to that, you know, I would be down on myself. Like, oh, I'm not good at this. So you know, I can't excel at that. Or because uh, as much as I've tried, I didn't really manage to get to the level I need to be. And that's because I was being hard on myself. Yeah, you're not there yet. Keep working. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's not there's not a particular time frame. Yeah. If you don't hit it by this date, that's because you're not good. No, you just got to keep pushing it. And, you know, repetition leads to, you know, a level of professionalism and, and, and the ability to really excel at something if you just keep going at it. You know, I think skateboarding was a good a good indication of that. You know, for sure. You, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't master a trick until you tried it a thousand times. Yeah, and that's a that's just a huge point, bro. Like, you know, people get really good by just doing it a ton for a really long time. For sure. And I love how you said, you know, you don't have to be an expert, like. Then start something. It's not like I've got to work hard. I'm, I can't get that. I can't attain that until I get to this level by this time. I think there's such power in showing up. Oh, yeah. And saying, I don't know. I'm, I really don't know if I'm going to do this. I'm going to test myself right here and we're going to find out together. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, and, but you show up anyway. And you keep going and you fail and you get back up and then you succeed and then you fail again. And it's that like give and go, give and go of that process, man. I think that's just such a a thing that people have to like just embrace. Absolutely. That is the process. For sure. Show the fuck up. For sure. Fail a bunch, succeed a bunch. And if you do that long enough, like you're going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, You can't be, you can't be an expert before you try. Yeah. Unreal. Simple. That's incredible, though. I love that quote. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, with that, like with that said, like, you know, I've always I think in hindsight, I've always looked at um, you can easily like point out disadvantages or like disabilities for whatever it is. Like I didn't have money growing up, mm. you know, and I just through looking back, I've realized that your only disability is your attitude. Fact. Period. That's your only disability. Fact. I mean, you got you got people that can play the they got no arms and they can play the guitar with their feet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, for real. I know. I you know, know, so it's like you know. I mean, obviously, I, I haven't gone by that all my life, but just yeah. looking back, I'm like, yeah. man, like that's one of those hindsight 2020. You know, it's like that's your only disability, man, is your attitude, man. Like the things I've seen people accomplish with not even half of what I had. 
what I had, which was could be argued is not much, have done amazing things, you know? Absolutely. From what do you think working at DC and that whole experience for you and just evolving as a person, diving into this new world, everything kind of coming together, what did it do for you, not even as a career, like career-wise, but what did it do for your true, like, evolution and growth as a person and as a a person and a professional side-by-side? It's an amazing question. If I think about it, what it did for me is it allowed me to ex- appreciate being patient mm-hmm. with yourself. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So... Because prior to that, you know, sometimes I would compare myself to someone else and where they're at in their life. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't a constant thing, but it would always surface like, man, you know, I should be where that person is right now. You know what I'm saying? Because of we had similar wants or needs or desires. For sure. You know? And... You know, through life too, as a kid, you know, sometimes you get compared to other people. Like, you know, Jimmy has whatever and you don't, you know, sure. it just happens. And you, you go through society, you grow up in society with that, like being compared to somebody. Yeah, it's natural. So, you know, that would that would come up every now and then in my, my young adulthood. But I think after, you know, going to D.C., that was like my first real corporate job. I mean, Apple was retail slash corporate, but, yeah. you know, it was the first big company I ever worked for. Mm. Everything from there was small business stuff. But DC was the first time that like I was just given a lot of responsibilities with reward at the same time. Mm. You know what I mean? Whereas like, you know, like when I was being flown out to these countries, that was a reward for me. I was like, yo, like I'm not paying for this. This is incredible. I'm They, they gave me a, a corporate card. I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is a this is a big responsibility for you know, that sure. I can screw up. Mm. I can go out and spend max on my card and get fired the next day if I, if I was just not, if I didn't have my head on straight. Sure. So, you know, those things right there was just like, wow, man, like the patience of like what I've been through led me to this point mm. of like, you know, getting picked up from the airport to and from in car service, like being put in a position where like, hey, we're counting on you to design the next collection, you know, for the globe. Like, <laughs> You know, like those things coming at me left and right in the first six months of being there was like, wow, you know, this is like, this is where patience gets you and determination and, and, and follow through and, and like focus in your inner motivation. You know what mm. I'm saying? Because again, everything could be a lot worse. Mm. You know, a lot. I could have never got that job at Apple. Yeah. I could have, which people were like, you're, you're crazy. You're stupid. You you're could gonna, have not change that flight. You know, you could exactly. I could have not changed that flight. It's like, oh, you know, you're gonna get stuck here. At, you're gonna get stuck in that retail job because you're always there. You work long hours. When are you gonna ever find another opportunity? Quite the opposite. The yeah. opportunity's coming to me, and that's what I always saw it as. I always saw it as the opportunity's gonna come to me. I'm, 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 I'm in a stationary position of just welcoming people to my. To domain the, right there yeah it's like right here you're right here you're coming in you know and that was something i valued from the second i got hired by apple i was like all right i'm, I'm going this is gonna pan out and look man with dc it was like it was from like zero to a hundred night and day difference of a job you know where <laughs> creating whereas with apple it was like i was just being created from the sideline 
And I was just giving ideas out and watching yeah. people flourish with it. And it was like kind of like, oh man, it was not rewarding in a way. You know, it was like, great, I helped you, but you know, whatever. I got to go back and do it over again. With DC, it was like I was creating things, traveling the world, seeing people wearing the <coughs> shoes that I worked on. And, wow. and just, you know, it was like, wow, this I is mean, incredible. I, th- I think patience with self is so important. So important. Man, that's, and that's a hard, that's probably one of the hardest things too. Yeah. Like, just, it's like to put things in perspective, man. I mean, you're at Apple for four years, you said. Yeah, actually, what? it was, yep, just right underneath five. I was like, it was like wow. four and like 11 months. Like, like just let like that. that let that sink in, like, to you listeners out there. Listeners. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> let this sink in. <laughs> no, Take a but, pause and let that sink in one time. <laughs> I did a bit at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but... Five years. Like, it's not like, yo, I'm going to do this until, like, just for, I'm, I'm going to do this real quick, just, you know, part time. Yeah. Like, five years. Yeah. That's a long time for then this opportunity to yeah. come. Like, the patience and then coming into this position and having patience as you work through these new things, yep. these new experiences. Global lifestyle, bro. Yeah. From retail to a global lifestyle environment. Yeah. Talk about intimidation. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you find the belief in yourself? Was there ever trying times where you're like, holy shit, like, this is so much. I don't know if I can handle this. I, I want to say yes, but I think the the connection to that culture and like that environment would help me clear my mind of that you know what i'm saying so like yeah there was times where i'm like you know insecure i was insecure about it like man am i gonna really you know live up to what they expect from me yeah of course you know there's always self-doubt lingering behind your mind at some point but i think you know just the sheer excitement of just realizing and acknowledging where I'm at right now. Mm. I have no no way of accepting failure. Or at least if I if I fail, keep it moving. Mm. Learn from it. Keep it moving. All right, I got it. We'll let that happen again. And you know, that was just the, the determining factor and the motivation for me to just get through any self-doubt and like any um you know feeling of failure of of not of not being able to achieve what i'm there to do Mm. you know how long uh, were you at dc i was at dc for slightly over five years wow yeah maybe like five years in a month or so something like that and what came out what came after that interesting enough um just to like give you a little quick snapshot of the reality and the re- what really went down between Apple and DC at the time. Mm-hmm. When a couple months before um, I got hit up by DC for, for an actual job, I had made the transition to go back to part-time and I got a job working at a, like a web design firm mm. in the neighborhood so that I can easily go back and forth from Apple to that job to try it out. Like, all right, I got to really get back into the creative space. Sure, for sure. You know, selling these computers are great, but I really need to get my my hands wet and back into design so I don't lose it completely because it's been a long time. It's been four plus years. So I did that and 
right before um, I turned in the application, uh, my choice of what I, which, which a position I wanted to take at DC, <clears throat> that web design firm laid me off. Mm. They're like, look, it's not, you know, we're not making the money that we thought we were going to be making and we just don't have the slot to fill, to keep you on. So they got rid of me and two, uh, one, one other person. And so I was like, so now I'm stuck with a part-time job. Wow. And I had a mortgage at the time. I bought oh. a spot. So I didn't tell my lady anything because I'm like, yo, this DC thing is going to happen. If it's not going to happen, I'm going to figure it out. Sure. So sure enough, it happened. And I was like, thank you, Lord. It, it happened because, you know, like I'm now on a, I'm on a part-time salary now. It's way different than what I was making <laughs> yeah. as a full-timer. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right, cool. So I got the gig. So talk about life in the universe. Absolutely. Believing in yourself. I Absolutely. didn't stress it. I never showed her an inch of stress. I never showed her like, what are we going to do? And I was just like, I didn't even tell her. I was like, I, you, you don't deserve the idea of that stress. Yeah. Because she was she's listening now. She's like, yeah. what the? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, she would stress out. I won't. I'm like, I've always had this mindset of like, things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. If you are alive, that's all it takes for you to get to the next level. To just push forward. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's that simple. It's I just, feel you. The gems are just dropping. I feel you, yeah. yeah. It's just like n- nothing else. That's all in your head. Like you're just going to create the craziness. You know, you're not the first person to get laid off. You're not the last person. And you're not the first person to have a mortgage and get laid off. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, so I get the gig. I move out there. Fast forward. Um, my lady comes out. We get married. Incredible. And, yeah, Congrats yeah, to y'all. Yeah. Thank you, man. And she's with me. We're out there. Everything's amazing. I'm still traveling the world. She's getting acclimated with uh, the West Coast. And uh, DC was bought by um, Quicksilver okay. a couple years prior to me coming on board. So DC was in Vista, California, Carlsbad area. And Quicksilver was in Huntington Beach, mm-hmm. about a, two hours up north. So they... they respectively stayed in their compounds but uh dc was the cash cow was making all the money for quicksilver quicksilver was struggling dc was fucking through the roof yeah you know i'm not gonna say i had anything to do with that but uh, <laughs> but i did <laughs> so anyway so we were killing it so eventually quicksilver was like all right you know what even as good as you guys are doing we got to cut expenses so they were like yo we're gonna we're gonna absorb it and move it up to Huntington beach because they had the space so, right before they made that announcement, we bought a place in San Diego. Oh, wow. So then, boom. So they make the announcement. Hey, um, we're going to move, but we don't know when, but it's going to happen. We're like, what does that mean? Like, well, shit, I just bought a house. I bought a place. What, how do I, what, how are we going to handle that? They're like, all right, you know, we'll figure that out when we, when we finally move. So, a year later, they move. So, I'm commuting back and forth for two hours, two and a half hours each way. That's, That's death. 20 hours a week. Yeah. So they were like, you know, they were like, we got you. We got you. We'll pay to move you up. We'll pay. We'll move you up. And I was like, all right, great. That's awesome. And they were paying for my the expenses of the commute back and forth. And they're like, when you're ready, we'll pay and we'll move you. I bet. So I'm like, I don't want to live in Huntington Beach. I don't want to live in a sleepy town or whatever. Yeah. I want to move to L.A. because that's where I go in between all the time. Whenever I get a chance, I go up to L.A. I hang out with Steve, whatever. We go up to L.A. So I'm like, I'm going to move to L.A. They're like, I right, bet. Move up to LA, we rent the spot out. And 
uh, after well, my wife stayed in the spot for a minute because again I was commuting. Yeah, and then I moved up, got settled in. She stayed there because she had a great job, and she's like, "I'm not gonna leave this job. I just yeah. got this dope ass job. Yeah. It doesn't make sense for me to just peace out and try to get a new job in LA yeah. and start from scratch." I was like, "I bet you do your thing." So I was commuting back and forth on the weekends. So finally, she gets a dope job in LA. So she moves up. When she moves up, at that point, I was like, "Yo, babe, we, you should come with me to Europe." for my work trip because this is going to be the last time I go to Europe with DC. And she's like, whoa, whoa, what's mm. going on? I was like, nothing's happening right now, but I know, I see the numbers, I see the business. This is going to be the last time I go to, to Europe with mm. DC. You know, I, I know. It. Should they not, it's just not popping yeah. the way it was before Yeah, because yeah. Quicksilver was on like an all-time low. Bad business moves and stuff. So even the money we were making wasn't enough to cover the, the, wow. the, the, the load. So, and then shit was just, just, shit was just going down. I'm like, you know, I, by that point I had survived. You could feel it. Yeah. By that time I had survived about seven layoffs. <sighs> survived them. Made it through the cut. <sighs> you know, I had, I had seen, um, six VPs of marketing come through the door. And wow. I, you know, it, just, it was just the revolving door. And then with the move, more people dropped out, whatever, whatever. So a lot was happening. A lot was changing. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, look, it was the summer. She was like, I just got this job. I don't have vacation time. I was like, just tell them, hey, you had this trip planned. DC is going to pay for, for the hotel and expenses. You just, we just got to get you tr- your flight. Yeah. Come with me. Go to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Go, to, go to Paris and go Let's to Berlin. Let's figure it out. Come on. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> make, me, make me look like I'm the man. You know, I took my lady to Paris. You know? <laughs> so she's like, okay, damn. Like, this is crazy. So we did. And that was July of uh, 2000. 11. So 2011, boom, we go on this trip. Amazing time, whatever, whatever, whatever. She gets to see the world with me, Europe, and then get back. Literally a year to the day, I get laid off. Wow. I didn't survive that layoff. So it was like, it was like 40 something Quicksilver employees, and it was like seven DC employees, mm. and I was one of them. Wow. And everyone, and everyone of that, the DC clique, like the seven people, I was like the least paid. It was wow. all about cutting, you know, paychecks, like, you know, cutting back on, on payroll to survive. And crazy enough, since I knew that this, like, as it, after that, that trip in 2011, I saw all this shit coming down. Yeah, you saw right? So I started preparing for it. I started saving money. Sure. I started saving money. And, uh, and like, you know, I got knee surgery because I had torn my ACL twice. <sighs> So I got knee surgery. So I, I took advantage of everything. Yeah. You know, saved up money, got my knee surgery, whatever, whatever. Um, got physical therapy, you know, stuff like that. I get laid off. Mind you, I have a mortgage on the East Coast before I move. Yeah. Remember, I had the part-time job. I went to part-time with Apple, and I'm like, sure, I got a mortgage now. Like, I got my part-time salary. I got let go from this web design firm. So we rented that out. San Diego, eventually bought the crib in San Diego, rented that out. Moved up to LA. Now I got rent. I got two cars. And right before I got laid off, maybe two months prior, a month prior, my tenant in San Diego vanished. Stop. Disappeared. Because <laughs> he was in the military. Oh. Okay. So like legally I couldn't like pull the place. Mm. He's got the keys. Legally, he's still there. He's I can't evict him. But he's unreachable. Can't reach him, nothing. So I'm like two, he's two months behind on, on his rent. So I'm paying the mortgage. Then I get laid off. So I'm like, shit. 
damn, I got to cover the mortgage completely now for who knows how long. Yeah. Because this guy's MIA. My tenant in Jersey. Yeah, I got I to gotta peace out. I got to go. I got something's happening. I got to get out of here. So she broke oh the lease. Oh, my God. So I'm like, fuck. I got two. I got the two. Dominoes I got falling. two mortgages. <laughs> I got two cars and I'm paying rent in LA. And I'm like, oh so God. all the money I saved is like, <laughs> just out the window. And I'm like, and like, you know, because I saw the, the layoff coming, you know, my plan was, cool, you know, I'm, 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 this is not going to last any longer. So when it comes down to it, I'm going to just travel. I'm going to keep networking. I was going to, I already thought, I'm like, I'm going to go to a lot of cities. I'm going to travel, Europe, whatever, you know, hopefully, and then wifey would hopefully come with me at least for one or two of the trips. So I had it planned out. All good. I'm going to keep it moving when it comes down to that. Sure enough, I couldn't. Wow. The means weren't there to do that. Mm. So I was like, damn, okay. Shit's hitting the fans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So obviously, you know, the cliche thing, apply to jobs on LinkedIn and blah, blah, blah. You know, like Malachi, like all these sites. And I'm like, this shit don't work like that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? This no. just doesn't work like that. It's about knowing people. And again, I'm like, I should be traveling and meeting people. Yeah. My wife didn't get it. She's like... Uh, you know, whatever, whatever. So she's just keep applying for jobs, whatever, supporting me. And finally, I was like, the hell with this shit. I'm going to Japan because we had, my uh, friends of mine had already planned that we would go to Japan in the fall. I'm, I'm going to go with them. And she's like, you're crazy. You know, why? You're, you're crazy. You're going to spend this money. Like, no way. I was like, no, nah, I got to get out of here. No one's going to want me sitting on this couch fucking applying for jobs. You for know real. what I'm saying? And so basically, I made up my mind. I was going. Then um, Hurricane Sandy happened in New York, mm. so I had to go back to look at my spot. Yeah. You know, I was like, "Shit, I gotta, I gotta go." You know, check on the spot, make sure everything's good. Check on the fan. You know, make sure everything's good. So I went to, I went to, I went to New York, and then I came back, and then I was like, "Babe, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Japan." She's like, "Oh my god, why?" Like, <laughs> shout out to her though for being a writer. Though. Yeah, she's like, "Oh my god," so get my ticket. Meet up with the boys. One is a blogger. Shout out to Marcus Troy. I don't know if you know Marcus Troy. Wow. You know? yes. So we're like going going to Japan. Him, him, his his twin brother, and another 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 good friend of ours. And um, he gets an email. We're going to Japan. He gets an email, and the email is like looking for so and so. We're looking for someone to fill this position. So the VP of a company sent out his feelers to his network. Like if you know anybody. Connect me. So he's reading the email and he goes, yo, because he knows my situation. Yeah. He's like, I just got this email and they're describing you. And I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, Palladium Boots. You know Palladium Boots? Wow. And I was like, yeah, of course I know Palladium Boots. I actually do. He goes, well, the dude, the, the VP of marketing, Barney just hit me up and he needs somebody to do what you do. Do you mind if I connect you? I was like, fuck yeah, yeah, do it. Hop on a plane, do our thing. We communicate over email. Well, I'm, I'm in Japan right now, so I can't meet with you. Can we extend the interview a week or two later? It's like, yes, yes, please, please. Hit me when you get back. Get back. See my lady. How'd it go? I was like, oh, it was great. It was great. Like, she's like, tell me about it. I was like, no, I got to get ready for this interview. She's like, what? She's like, what? She's like, what? 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 Told you. She's like, what? She's like, yeah, I got an interview. It was like, she's like, wait, well, wait. Yo, explain this to me. I was like, I just told her the story. I was like. Talk about the right time, right place. Wow. Networking. 
I could have I could have not been on that flight and Marcus would have got it and would have been like, Wouldn't I'll, even, I'll look at this later because yeah. I'm busy. I'm, I'm with my luggage. I'm trying to get through the airport, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, or he could have been like forwarded off to somebody else or just missed it. Yeah. Got back from Japan and someone yeah. else got hired. You know what I'm saying? Like totally like timing. <laughs> So it was just like, so to this day, my wife's like, your world is crazy. Like, I, I just, <laughs> shit never, ever happens for me like that in any shape or form. So I get back, I have an interview. Um, we hit it off. And then he's like, hey, I need you to come back to meet the boss. You know, like, he's just the VP of marketing. And and then I met, and then there was a the president of Palladium. And then there's the president of K-Swiss, which owns Palladium. So he wanted me to meet him. So he's like, you know, he's the guy that's going to sign off. So I want you to come back. I was like, all right, sure. No problem. I'll come back. So I come back, whatever, a week later, whatever it is. And I, par- I, I pull up, park, I get out of parking, I get out of my car, and then I see an older gentleman walking away from his car, going towards the building. So whatever. And I'm like, Polite hello, you know, just to be courteous. And he's like, and he goes, homie? And I was like, yeah. He goes, Stephen Nichols. I was like, the guy and I was like, "Oh, hey, nice to meet you." And he goes, "You're from New York?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Where from?" And I was like, "Queens." And he's like, "Where from?" And I was like, "You know Queens?" He goes, "Far Rockaway, Queens." <laughs> I was like, "Yo, the connection, the connection right there, like, wow. you know." And so we're just having this conversation, walking into the building, and it's just like we're vibing. It's like, yeah, man, I'm from Queens, you're from Queens, what? Like, you know, Insane. we're just like talking. And I then, love the. From where though? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, be, come on, man. Be specific. Like you know, don't be general with me. Don't get. Don't give me that general talk. Unreal. Know? So it was just like, yeah, I got this job. I was like, I think I got this job. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm good. Anyway, so we're just having conversations and much older gentleman, much older. Um, so we were just. He's just like telling me about himself. He's like, yeah, you know, I used to own. I used to own the Stride Ride store in the Queens Mall, and I was like word and he was like he was you you it's probably before your time i was like no i mean yeah i was young but i remember all that stuff he goes yeah he goes yeah i just started rattling off old stores brands that don't exist i was like favor you know um anna strauss and he's like he was just shocked and impressed and i knew these stores tom mccann's and he was like whoa okay wow. so you knew you knew okay yeah. you knew about the stride right store yeah because i was like i just started telling him about all the stores that during that era that wow. were shoe stores and he was just like, how old are you? He's like, this is impossible. How old are you? And he was like, and I told him my age, and he was like, almost impossible because you were too young. And I was like, yeah, so we just hit it off. And we came upstairs, we met with everybody again, and boom, like, you know, he's like, hey, look, it was this was now into the holidays. I got laid off in July. I didn't strike this interview till like, and last week of October or first yeah like last week of October so it was coming up on holidays Dude, the holidays again yeah Facts. so it was like okay so then he's like look you know we like you whatever whatever I'll be honest like we gotta get to know each other maybe you don't like us or maybe you know so we gotta f- test each other out we gotta feel like we gotta fill each other out and see if we're really this will be a good match you know respectfully for you or us you know how about we do this how about I give you a contract for, for, for a consultancy for the remainder of the year because it's only a couple of weeks. You know, I'll pay you your, your what you what you make. And then we'll we'll revisit this in January and see if we really want to make this a thing. And I was like, all right, bet. So the man signed off on it, gave me the check. 
I worked on a project with them, a couple shoes, and cranked it all out. And they were like, this is the dude right here. Mm. Came back January, mm. full, I was in. I was their global product line manager. Wow. The whole thing. First thing I did was pitch a collab, and they were just like, I just came in with the guns. Like, Again, the collab, he's like. I just came in with the guns. Collab out the gate, they were like, <laughs> oh, this guy was really thinking. Like, he, you know, it wasn't like give him give him an assignment. He's like, no, this is what we're gonna do. And to this day, because again, K Swiss owns Palladium. Yeah. That collab that I initiated day one um, is the biggest collab in their history. Wow! Yeah. So I'm, they're still. I got the little plaque yeah. on the wall. Like, <laughs> you gotta beat that. Remember that? You gotta beat that. Mm. You know, mm. it's like you gotta beat that. So we got a couple of things in the pipe for K-Swiss that is that could beat it, but that's it's, incredible. It's take, you know, it's taken a month, it's another five years and change already. So, so yeah. So now I'm on the K-Swiss side after four years with Palladium. I just changed seats from here to there. It was like same building, same mm -hmm. everything. Unbelievable. How is the culture over there? Culture is pretty interesting. I mean, again, a mix between new and old people, mm -hmm. at least for the first few years. Those people that were like lifers that have been there 15 plus years. And some people were there 30 years plus. So some of the sales reps were there 20, 30 years. <coughs> and um, it was that mix of new and old. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you, um, I'll let you drink your water. I think that's the first sip you've taken in like really? three hours. <laughs> no, I'm um, What do you think... You've gone from these moments of high adversity, like just moments though, not like lengths of lengths of time, but like these moments of, oh shit, and then something pops off. Mm -hmm. Oh shit, you yeah. survive it and something pops off. I kind of want to like just explore the micro decisions and choices you made in those moments to see if there's a through line of why there's so many, why these patterns keep coming up and working out, coming up and working out because it's clearly there's something that you're doing internally, how you're dealing with it. Maybe it's your um, disposition, but I want to just try to dive in to those things like the choice you made to go to Japan or keep your, your girl calm or while all these massive things are happening and internally like you can just combust and break down from these. I 100% would. I'd be like, oh my God, after the first house, I'm like Yo. done. The second house, I'm like, all right, guys. Uh, Pack it in. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go work it. Uh, it's a sell-off right uh, now. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what the fuck like, going on. Going I don't even know how to react. I'm going to Banana Republic. I'm just going to start. <laughs> re like, let's just, let's just take it back. Start ground floor. I don't care anymore. You know? But, no, it's just it's those, those things can really, like, challenge you And that, re and that resolve during those, those times. Yeah. They, they, they can really <clears throat> challenge you hard, you know. Yeah. From, from from surviving the foundation class to surviving the, the, the two houses and still making these really great decisions yeah. um, and putting those forward and, and leading with like that belief, like Anoush said. And what, why do you think those choices keep coming up? What, what makes you 
or compels you is a better word. What compels you to kind of go, no, I'm doing this. No, it's going to work out. No, I got this. Like every time. I guess I could start by saying that I don't have that conversation with myself. Like it's going to work out. Like I don't like coach myself into like keep Mm -hmm. it positive. Mm -hmm. I think it's more of like um, an organic mindset and being in tune with reality. I always tell my lady this, like I just, what helps me is being really well connected with reality. And by that, I mean like looking at taking the, the negative and, and outweighing it with the positive for every negative you could find. I guarantee you can find two positives for every negative. Mm. Easy. You can, you can tsunami it with positives, Mm. you know, without lying to yourself, you know, for example, like, I get laid off tomorrow, I'll be like, okay, let's just say I get laid off from my job right now. I, get, I go into the office and I'm like, yo, homie, you know, we're done. Like, okay. My mindset organically is like, okay, what does that allow me to do now? Mm. What are the things that I could do now that I'm not, I'm not committed to the 12 hours I'm putting in for this job right now? One of them off the top of my head is my health. Mm. I can go exercise right now. I can go take care of myself because I haven't been because I've been putting these hours. Mm. That's one bam done. It's like, you know what? That's worth living for to, to focus on my health. That's, that's something to wake up in the morning. for. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah saying? absolutely. Because I could do it. You know, it's like, I don't have, I don't have an obstacle in front of me stopping me from doing it. Whereas like, I'm not like, I'm too tired to work out today because I didn't go to bed till 12 at night and I'm waking up at six to get to work. You know what I mean? Sure. So that's one. The other one is the reality that I have the opportunity to either reinvent myself mm. or to take what I've learned and progress at that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Of all the things I did at this job, what was the one thing that made me fulfill, like fulfilled, like gave me fulfillment because I was so good at it. <coughs> I learned to be good at it. Yeah. How do I then apply that to the next opportunity? You know, and I can just go on and on and on to find versus like just cracking and being like oh the failure or the embarrassment of being laid off or fired or what will people think like i don't get stuck into that like mm-hmm. for sure you know what i mean like i don't i don't have i've been embarrassed enough in my days to like not let it be a determining factor of how i'm going to react to things moving forward mm. like embarrassing is the least of my concerns like mm. oh i'm going to be embarrassed no like you know i told my i told my my wife all the time i'm like Cause she's a planner. She wants to know what's going to happen. Like, Oh, what if this happens? What are we going to do? And I'm like, what are we going to do for money? I was like, look at it this way today. There are so many ways to make money, you know? And if you're not a person of ego or of a certain standard, you can make enough money to do whatever it is you really want to do. So I tell her, I was like, look, if I get laid off, I will jump in an Uber I'll crank some Ubers during the day or at night. And during the day, opposite of that, I'll network and I'll be doing things. You know, like she's like, yeah, I was like, we'll get by. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll get by. Just like that practical. Yeah. We'll is, get is like, we, you know, what are you most afraid of? Are you afraid of not having a roof over your head, not having food? Or are you afraid of letting go of our lifestyle because she's not materialistic? So I was like, mm. I don't know worry about. It's not like you want Louis bags. You, know, you care less about that stuff. Yeah. So it's not like you've lived this certain life that's like, oh, I can't buy the next this. So I'm like, what are you worried about? Is it just food? 
taking care of the kids. Like, what are you worried about? He's like, yeah, you're right, you're right. I was like, and that's it. As long as we can get those things taken care of, everything else is in your head. You're 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 creating this negative environment. You're creating this ne- this environment of stress mm-hmm. for, for things sure. that don't really matter at the end of the day. They're not that important. You know what I'm saying? Those are things you can weed out in minutes. But like, okay, cut the cable. Cut this. Okay, you know, up. easy. Those are things that we can do. You know, and then like you know, I don't know about you, but you know, I can tell looking around. You we collect things. Yeah. And buy things. I have so much shit that I could sell for sure that will pay the bills that I'm not worried about. Like I'll just sell what's in my storage room. I mean, this bear is not a thing, bro. Just, <laughs> this, this is this is very the Noshi bear. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah. we'll make we'll have money. Like we'll make money. We'll survive. Like that's it. Like you know what I mean. So like I don't go. I don't live my life with fear or, or of potential embarrassment or or fear of taking it out. I look forward to the L because, you know, your 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 failures are your opportunity to to succeed, mm. to learn from what you've done wrong. If you don't do anything wrong, how do you know how to do something well? Mm. How will you ever really excel? Mm. You know, if you're very like reserved and like you don't want to try, then that's why you that those are the people that don't really make it far. You know. It's crazy to bring up fear because it's such a, a huge, huge thing that I think a lot of people deal with. I've deal, dealt with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you kind of like put it like the way you did where um, I've, so I've, done this, fact. Yeah, I've done this exercise too, but it's just like when you could kind of, it's less, I think for me about embarrassment <clears throat> and more about like losing things but then when you the way you just broke it down like okay cut the cable bill like okay like what are you afraid of losing this lifestyle let's break it down to like food and a roof over your head that actually is very practical and Mm -hmm. you can do that by ubering like you have a car or doing a lot of different jobs to make that happen and there's ways to get around it but i think it's like if you really just look at the fear like that, I always thought about it like this. I would have tons of anxiety um, about like money and things like that. I'm like, okay, if I lost everything today, like what is that final step? And it's like sleeping on my mom's like guest bed, like queen size bed in my mom's guest room, two blocks away from where I live right now. <laughs> and her making me breakfast and coffee in the morning. That's like the worst. I was like, I mean, okay i might just take that now like (laughs) but if you kind of i mean and that's just very fortunate but i think if you kind of can can address the fear like the reality of the fear and not just the negative thoughts that consume your head and and feed Mm -hmm. your ego and things like that and really break it down to what you're saying like this practical practical sense it gets rid of that unnecessary stress for sure. And then can actually make the smarter moves, <clears throat> the more practical moves and ultimately the more, the, the right moves, not moves out of reacting, not moves that are emotional, yeah. not moves that are out of even desperation, but like allows you to really strategically and thoughtfully make the decisions that you need to make most important thing in in that in a situation like that if you find yourself in one is to definitely be um put yourself in a calmer state 
You know, the mm. worst thing you could do is panic. The worst thing you could do is create the perception of the struggle you might encounter. That's just in your head. Mm. You know, it's like there's so much things that we condition ourselves into thinking mm. that are not important or not really For a, sure. a, a factor in your future. Mm. They're just things you put in your head that really put you in a position to be reactive versus proactive. And if you could weed that out, you'd be you could survive anything other than yeah. It's know. almost as simple as what do we have control of and what do we not? And let go of it. Let yeah. what you don't have control of, let go. Yeah. You, you have no business stressing over something you can't control. Yeah. By you default. Know? You know, so it's like that, like that's why I, I can just let go of the stuff that I just can't control and be like, mm. all right, I'm not gonna spend any emotional energy or physical energy on something I can't control. Once you get that out of the way, you just okay, what can I do? Yeah. You know, and just focus on that. And that allows you to be a little more clear-headed and more focused on giving yourself an opportunity to get to the next position in life, you know, and being patient. I mean, patient is the biggest, patience is the biggest thing in combination of having um, a mindset of, a mindset of getting stressed, anything stressful out of your mind. Mm. Like another, like an example is like jealousy. To me, jealousy is, it's a made up thing in your own head. Sure. Creating jealousy is in your, it's only in your head. For sure. You know? For example, like, uh, it's crazy. I put my, my wife through this test when we were just dating. And she was jealous at the very test beginning. number one. Yeah, she was, she was pretty jealous when we first started dating. And I'm like, ah, I can't do this jealousy thing. You know, it's not going to work. You know, I can tell you right now, it's not going to work. Because I have a lot of female friends. And 90% of them are just friends. There's going to be a 10% that I dated or whatever, but even my exes I'm friends with. I don't hold grudges. Yeah. I'm cool with people. I'm like, I have genuine respect for people no matter what. Even if they did me wrong, it's all good. People are people. You got to let them be. And I said, you know, if that's how you're going to be, you're going to be losing your head every time a girl comes and says hi to me, you know, because I'm going to say hi. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't live that life. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm very like... Hey, this is who? Blah, 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 hug. Same. I'm not different. I'm just always going to be the same love. I know my boundaries. I won't do something that's going to be like, whoa, that was not cool. You know, but anyway, so I said to her, you know, like, you got to like figure this jealousy thing out because it's not going to help you in life in general. So I could see that it wasn't really, she wasn't doing a good job of working on it on her own. So one day I got invited to a friend's, uh, her, her daughter's first birthday. And this good friend of mine, female, was the best friend of my ex-girlfriend. Right? So knowing who, she, knowing who was going to be at that party, I got invited, come to the party and bring your girl. I was like, okay, cool. So I didn't tell my wife anything. <laughs> I just brought her over. So we get there, whatever, and I knew that my ex-girlfriend's family was her parents, sister, brother. They're all going to be there. It's a party. I'm celebrating this girl's birthday, little girl's birthday. So we're in there having a great old time. She, my, my, my girl's in there having a great old time. And then at the end of it, we finally leave. And I'm like, you know, what'd you think? You had a good time? She goes, yeah, I had a great time. It was so, those people were so cool. I was like, oh, I'm glad, I'm glad. You know, these people I've known for years or whatever. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, you know, like <laughs> this and that. And then like, you know, this girl was so cool, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I, she had a, she got into a conversation with somebody in particular. <laughs> and she had this like good old time with this person. She's like, yeah, especially this girl. She was so cool. Like, you know, she's so down to earth. And I was like, oh, my ex-girlfriend? She's like, wait, what? I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah, my ex-girlfriend. Like, ex-girlfriend from when? Like, before you. The girl that I was dating for like four years or whatever it was, three years. And she got, she was, you could tell she was getting red. She's like, <laughs> what? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. A second ago, you just said you liked her and you had a good time. But, but I'm like, listen to yourself. You're <laughs> getting real. upset and you're injecting jealousy into the equation. Yeah. What does that mean? For like, real. What, like that's, in, you know what I'm saying? Was she mean to you? No, but maybe now, you know, like she tried to create scenarios. Maybe she said this in a way because of, <laughs> like, stop, stop. Yeah. She's a good person. You know, whatever. Even though we had our differences, yeah. she's a good person. I can't ill will her in any way possible. It just didn't work out. You know what I'm saying? Even though my past is my past with her was not cool. And I, you know, I saw my way out of it unhappily, but it is what it is. But she's not that person. You're right. You're creating a scenario. Mm. Yeah. In your mind of who she could be. For That's sure. why she was saying that. You know what for I'm saying? Sure. So like, you know, like she realized she's like, oh, like that, that lesson, whether she'll admit it to this day, really was a pivotal moment. Like it just changed her mm, perception on stuff. Incredible. Because it was like, look, you know, the jealousy is in your head. Unless that person is flat out saying some rude stuff to you. Yeah. And happens to have a connection with me. That's one thing. But if it's just existence mm-hmm. and the and the equation of the existence, mm-hmm. you can't go in with a mindset of like, I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm not no. going to break bread with that person. Or I'm not going to address that person. You know what I'm saying? That's what jealousy does. It creates sure. these divides and these tensions. So, you know, to, you know, I would say like my wife to this day, she's not. I, I, there's some jealousy, but it's nothing like what it was. For sure. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's not jealousy on that. From that perspective. Absolutely. You know, maybe yeah. jealousy on like, you spend too much time with your coworkers than yeah. me because you're with them all day. Like, like funny stuff like that. Yeah. But not on some like, you know, because where she's seen girls come up to me now and give me kisses and a hug and like, and she'll, cool. If that were like 10 years ago. I feel you. you know, <laughs> shit would be flying. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> she was on different. that level. Yeah. Like, just yeah. the beauty of growing together. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You have to be communicative and, and really, at the end of the day, we have to all understand where each other are coming from but also be very honest with where we're at yeah right nobody can grow if there isn't truth and honesty in the equation right and nobody can grow if somebody is just constantly sacrificing for another person right we have to be able to just be like look this is what it is Mm. if there's an issue here we have to work through it if we can't work through it then what are we working on 100 percent so to bring it back to the reason why I brought that up, the point was like, you know, in, 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 in the event of being in a position where shit's, the dominoes are falling, avoid that rabbit hole of negativity Absolutely. that's in your mind. Just avoid it. Like, it doesn't do you any good. Mm. It's not going to help you. It's not going to miraculously open a door for you. It's going to do the opposite. For sure. You know what I mean? So shut it all down. Shut it down. It's just no point. There's <clears throat> no point. I, I can't say I'm perfect. I can't say I haven't done it to myself. Yeah. But I've come to a realization that why am I why am I even doing this? Why am I thinking about this right now? Why am I putting myself through this? You know? And as soon as I get that straight through my head, I'm like, 
I've seen these things happen. Yeah. These opportunities happen. You know what I'm saying? Like I've I've the I've opened open. my mind to 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 accept those opportunities for sure, and to jump on those opportunities and to show up for those opportunities, to try for that opportunity, to like take the first step towards that opportunity instead of being depressed or you know in a negative state. Incredible. Sometimes you could being in that negative state, you could miss those opportunities for sure, or you could mess them up, you could screw them up. Or you can come at it from this poor perspective and just not click with the person or or the situation that's in front of you that could lead you to something bigger. You know, I could have been that Debbie Downer on that Jap- the, the, Jap- the Japan trip. I could have been like, oh, like, I'm going to have fun, dog. Like, yeah. I don't know why I came here. Yeah, I could have been like, yeah, this shit sucks. Or like, you know, don't be buying shit in front of me because I can't yeah. afford it. You know, I'm there like absorbing it man yeah. meeting people doing the thing even even though I didn't have money to spend just there to like make the best of it you know with the pennies of just getting there and back incredible and look you know it, hey yeah you know what I'm saying Crazy, absolutely <laughs> and I got, I got I got a dozen of those through the past where it's like you know like I could have been another place man no I think that's such a such a powerful point man it's so easy to do to to feel negative and think negative, yeah, um, and it's it's hard not to and like, be the it, victim. Like, I think and, and be the victim like, and beat mm-hmm. yourself up. I mean, yeah. we're all like our own worst critics. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it, 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 it's easy. That's the easy road. But if, you're right. Like, if you can just take a moment to shift your mind, like you're going to see things in a different lens. You're gonna notice those opportunities, and I think that's exactly what happened to you in. Your story, man, I think is it's so true. Everything you're saying, like it makes a lot of sense of why these patterns and these things kept happening. Like it's not by necessarily just chance or luck. Like, yeah, I mean, life's drizzled with all that throughout. But I think it's with that and with your opportunities, we all have choices that we can make every like tons and tons, hundreds and hundreds of micro choices that we make that shape and guide that path, you know, and you, you either can miss those opportunities or, or take them. And I think with that kind of state of mind that you have is clear why all those things kind of panned out the way they did and will continue to. Absolutely. You know, Lord willing. It's crazy. Incredible. Man. Yeah. You have a, you have an amazing story, man. Amazing. Story. Thank you, man. This Appreciate is, it. Really been been a pleasure man absolutely the opportunity to tell it is incredible man so i really appreciate you guys yeah for man. real like there's genuine love and appreciation for every <laughs> fiber of who you are and your journey my brother for real that's what thank it's you all so about, much man. this the was journey. a fucking honor yeah for real. it really Likewise, was man. tons of gems in this one i'm excited <laughs> yeah for real i'm excited just i can't chop wait this up and just i'm not gonna be gems. able to sleep tonight like again <laughs> like this is one of those i'm just like <laughs> well it's it's so fulfilling to hear these types of stories too that like have gone through these long arcs and, yeah. and you see the big picture is a very thorough journey, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. and it's not, it doesn't stop here. Mm. Like not I'm excited to, to, you know, reconnect a year from now just to see the yeah. difference, you know, yeah. and, and have you back on for album number two, mm. you know? <laughs> um, but seriously, I think there, there's so much that people can take from this that I'm taking from this. Yeah. Like, it's making me think of like, damn, like, yeah, you know, 
I mean, the other day, I just like left the freezer open overnight and I was like, fuck, we got to get a new fridge. Like, life's over. <laughs> I was like, that's it. Like, I just ruined everything. I, I ruined all the food. I got to throw this, this Trader Joe's 399 food out. Like, <laughs> life is over. You know, Stress. It's, it's those things, right? And, but even in those little things, it's like we could get so caught up in that. For and sure. You, you put that into a bigger picture, like your career. And it, you start to think about like decisions you made, choices you made along that road. I think it's 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 really amazing, man. Absolutely, thank you, man. For real, I hope anybody listening and looking up to homie and just like understanding who he is from an outside scope that you really get to appreciate who he is internally mm-hmm. because I think it's truly going to be able to guide a lot of ships that are looking for focus, that are looking for you know guidance. Um, you can really learn a lot from your trip and your journey thus far. And, you know, it's a blessing to be able to have connected with you. And I know that you're an incredible force in, in everybody whose lives you're in. And I'm super glad that we got to share this with you, my brother. Yeah, man. For real. Thank you, man. Likewise. Love. 100. <laughs> <Here we out. laughs> Don't.